Blog Talk Radio. Boxing, 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 boxing. I thought about this podcast. Oh, you going? My bad, RC. Go ahead. I thought this shit is tripping. My bad, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. No worries. Outsiders Boxing Podcast coming to you live June 9th, 2019. Glorious Sunday morning in Central California. Always good in the world. Um, chilling on the early morning edition that we have. And yet again, I like it better during the show at 9 in the morning. Brings me back to that old vibe that I was talking to the boys about earlier in the week. When, um, you know, sometimes I take it back and listen to the old podcast where we came from every, uh, every so often see how things were back in 2015 then when me and Willa first started teaming up and utter chaos you just check out the Saddam Ali wrap up with Jesse Vargas even the first lady Natasha going at it hard with Seattle Sime Sime going at me and Willa everybody the one that everybody should yelling at at B and Janelle for not being ready when he goes to him. Guys getting muted. Complete chaos. Glad we got more of a a stable cohesiveness over here at OBP instead of OTG. And um, just fun times all in all. Going to take some pointers myself being the host that uh, I probably didn't think I could be doing back in those times. For all those who don't remember, check out episode 501 when it should have been my show instead of Suge. I think that's when the attitude first came out and been running with it ever since, breaking out of my radio show, so to speak. But, you know, just taking a trip down memory lane and, uh, We've always been the same. You know, Seattle Slime can't go a day without talking about Adrian Broner not having skills. Um, easy work being spoken upon. <laughs> and one of my favorites was Janelle. <laughs> always hating on Terrence Crawford, even back then. <laughs> Staying consistent over here, man. But, um, yeah, you know, a little sore right now. Took up some bowling yesterday. I ain't bowled in probably since 2015, speaking of that year. Even though some people act like they haven't played in a very long time, show up to bowl on their off days with the mustache and glasses disguise. And then when people show up, have a significant advantage. 
That's cool. But anyways, I want to take it to my co-host who threatened to take my job at the start of this show <laughs> and take it to my main man. Will is a king. Steve Willow Wilson, the friendliest portion of the Southern spoken podcast in history. Willow, what's going on with you, my guy? How you doing today? Oh, man. Nothing much, man. Yeah, sorry about that at the beginning. Blog Talk was on some foolery this morning. You know, they were giving me the little spin cycle, so I didn't even know that it had unmuted you yet. So I was just going to bring you in, you know, some, some different way. But, yeah, man, um, good, man. we had some boxing. You know, we gotta we got to see one of our guys get get embarrassed, and you know maybe put a little prayers out for him on Friday. Uh, well, we didn't get to see it on Friday. Nobody actually saw it on Friday, and then I had to wait till this morning because the like the the thing was so cheap that YouTube didn't even get you know usually YouTube gets you a a good a good uh, repeat of the boxing match like an hour, two or three hours afterwards. You know, that fight TV, they had it on lock where shit, I didn't even see nothing till this morning. So I got to watch the Judah fight. Got to see uh, Triple G's comeback win, Oscar Valdez's showcase. Um, yeah, man, it was some all right boxing, you know, pretty good boxing, especially, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to the zone. They had some pretty good, well, the zone and Triple G. So, because Triple G, I think one of the main reasons he signed to the zone was so he can get some of his fighters out, all these old-ass Russian dudes that are coming out at 0-3, I mean 3-0 and 4-0, and talking about world titles. But the zone had some pretty good uh, some pretty good undercards. Well, not pretty good undercards. They had some pretty good fighters on the undercard that um, that made me – I might want to check these guys out again, so hopefully we'll be talking about that. You know, shout-out to that guy, some guy named White Chocolate. He's giving boys the business. He might be the next white white hype. I don't know if him it's gonna be out of him and Joey Spencer who's gonna get that who's gonna get that nod in the future. I think this guy's name was like Nick Nikita Ababi or something like that. I don't know, yeah. But hey, we had all right week of boxing. I'm out here in Big Springs, Texas, just still chilling, doing my thing. But besides that, man, I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, for sure, man. You gotta let me let me know all about that because I did lose my subscription three days ago. I only kept it from the Canelo Cinco de Mayo uh, date, so that was over with, but I did catch the Golovkin fight and uh, was able to see what he was doing in there. Still the same old Triple G, some people say. I always thought the same thing about Golovkin, but you can't deny that power that man has. If you get get landed on flush with it, then you know what time it is. Um, but let's take it to uh, JP in the, the southern portion of California and see what's going on in Inglewood. JP, top of the morning to you, my man. How's everything going? Top of the morning, top of the morning, RC. Um, had a nice, nice night of boxing, I'd say, last night. A lot of showcases, but we got to see some fighters that we haven't seen before, like Willis said. We got to see some of those older Russian fighters who's been fight, fighting for months. And um yeah, no, I'm 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 ready to talk about it, man. Triple G still looks like Triple G to me. Uh you know, that power. That power's still there and it's gonna give anybody trouble. So let's get into it. 
Let's get into it. Yesterday, you had <clears throat> the big drama show back, Gennady Golovkin, getting back into Madison Square Garden. And everybody was excited to see him. Fan base was pretty hyped for him. His own, um, really excited. Eddie Hearn, I know, had to be, you know, had <laughs> to be uh, a little relieved afterwards because after what had happened recently with this cash cow, well, he spent a lot of money being a hundred million, giving the Golovkin, a fighter who some people might say is a little long in the tooth, uh, you know, might might have seen his best days and, you know, after the Canelo loss, he exposed and he's not the same Golovkin, but yesterday he made him proud against Steve Rolls in there, and Gennady Golovkin was able to go Mexican style, bang, get his opponent to where he wanted to get him before that bomb landed and ultimately put Rose on the ropes. And, you know, he looked like, he probably looked like me this morning trying to get out of bed. He uh, wanted to continue to look like, but due to to the circumstances going on up top, it wasn't happening. Nadia Golovkin still has a bomb that he packs, and if he gets you in the corner, you know what time it is. Uh, now, on the future part of what's next, because Golovkin had spoken after the post-fight interview saying, hey, you know, guys, come on, they, they, this, hey, guys, Canelo, please, I want my belt. <laughs> you know that old Borat routine he did, but he did ask for Canelo Alvarez. Picture sent by Willow this morning. I did not see this tweet from Oscar De La Hoya because I do not follow Oscar De La Hoya. Tweets out. Nice. Thumbs up. Come back win. Now fight a real fighter, win a belt, and I'll consider doing a third fight. Hashtag Canelo is your boss. That's at Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> so that just ends the conversation of what's next for Golovkin being a sure fight third fight with Canelo. I mean, the, the fight really does nothing for me anyways, but I was, I'm surprised. I thought Oscar De La Hoya would be uh, quick to have that third fight, you know, have Canelo uh, have another pay-per-view fight where people will buy into it and, you know, the fan base of both guys will say, shut up and take my money. Uh, however, they however they want to do it. Uh, I thought that would be something moving forward that he would really be looking forward to because, well, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned, he just, he's past that time to beat Canelo. And Canelo's at that age where, you know, he's, he's, he's getting some progression going on. He's not the same, you know, little redhead who, who was in the ring with guys like uh, Austin Trout, when he has flaws runs full display. So, you know, that you know, that little redhead, he's he got better. He's got better. And he's brought up the right way. And I just don't see Gluckin being any threat to Canelo Alvarez. Not to tall. So whatever's next for Golovkin is who knows what. But Willa yesterday, how would you grade Gennady Golovkin's performance and what do you think about the tweet sent out by your man, Oscar De La Hoya, as far as what's next in the future for the Natty? 
Ken, out of your bitch. Good luck. Well, yesterday, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I mean, I do know what was going on. You know, people were saying that was the same. We know that Triple G changed his changed his trainer, and uh, he went to what's my my man Banks, I believe. And, and you know, he was supposed to get a little more defense. He was supposed to do this and that. And what we saw yesterday, people were saying it was the same old Triple G. And um, you know, because he was getting hit, he was getting hit a lot. In fact, you. Like you said, De La Hoya said the comeback. You know, I forgot exactly what round that was that he knocked him out. It was maybe the fourth or the the third you or the fourth, maybe. The fourth round, sir. Yeah, it was the fourth round. So in the second and the third, Steve Rolls might have won those rounds. In fact, Steve Rolls was in there, you know, feeling like he was Kawhi Leonard in there, you know, the king of the north. He was getting a lot of, you know, you could see that he was, he was getting a lot of confidence in there, going at Triple G. And Triple G was getting binged on. So when people said it looked like the old Triple G, said, no, no, this doesn't look like an old Triple G. This doesn't look like the old Triple G. This looks like an an, an old Triple G because Triple G looked old in there, you know, even with this, the southpaw switch to the left hand straight knockout. You know, I don't know if we've seen that before from him, but he did switch southpaw. Maybe that's what he's been learning over there. You know, he switched the southpaw, lined his ass up, and slept him. And I don't know if we really, you know, I'm. I, my memory isn't the greatest when it comes to Triple G knockouts, but I don't know if we see Triple G just sleep somebody like that because old Rose was sleeping there. So you know, with him looking old in there, but with him showing that display of that display of power and sort of sort of sort of something new with switching it up to southpaw, hitting him with that straight straight left and sleeping that guy, I would give Triple G. Old ass Triple G, a B, a B, a straight B, because he was look. He definitely lost the third round to me. Second round was up. He probably won the second round, but you see in the second round, Rose was looking like he was getting confidence and he thought he could hang in there with him. Now, we know that Triple G sometimes seems to get in there, and he says that's what he says. He says he gets in there and he gets hit to make it look like people can touch him. Is that what he was doing this time? I don't know. I don't think so because he was getting he was getting touched. He was getting touched by right hands. Um, you know, Rose looked like he wasn't that bad of a boxer for the first first round. He looked like he was like it was the Rose we knew. Second and third round, we thought, okay, I thought maybe this guy Rose isn't as bad as we thought he was. But right when I said that, Triple G opened it up in the fourth round and just started coming on and started whooping his ass. So I'll give him a B plus, man. I mean, not a B. I'll give him um, not a B plus. I'll give him a B because uh, you know he looked old in there. But when you get a knockout, I gotta you know I can't I can't give you anything less than a B minus. Switching up to southpaw, showing us something new. I'm gonna go ahead and give I'm gonna go ahead and give Triple G a B. I don't know. To me, it looks like Canelo washes him this next fight. Even though I thought the last fight was almost a washing, at the end, you know. Kovalev type Andre Ward uh, washing where it's not really it's not you know it's a lot of dirty stains in there so you got to get in there you got to get in there deep you got to do a lot of scrubbing but you're still washing the guy he might be putting a little work on you but you know you might be sore after the washing because you did a lot of scrubbing but you're still getting the washing that's what I thought this next time might be just a hey throw it in there 
cut on the timer and pr- put in the soap and press the button. That's the type of washing I see coming in from uh, Canelo next time. Triple G looked a little slower. He looked like the same old Triple G, except for when he switched it up to that southpaw. I don't know. You know, can't they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and maybe maybe that's what we're seeing. Uh, like Oscar De La Hoya said, why the hell does Canelo want to fight a guy without any belts? I don't know why he would do that. This is belt season for Canelo. It's time to uh, secure his legacy. So, yeah, if I'm them, I'm telling Triple G, get a belt. Who is that? Uh, is that Andrade? Or does Triple G got to go up and fight somebody mm-hmm. at, um, you know, does Triple G got to go up to um, super middleweight and fight somebody for a belt? Uh, we'll see. But if I'm Canelo and I'm De La Hoya, I'm, I'm making them, that old that old guy get a, get a belt, man, so. Who knows who Triple G's fighting next? It, it ain't gonna be Charlo. What? Well, you don't think he wants any of that smoke with Charlo? Nah, he gets hit way too much. Way too much. Yeah. We're talking about you know, Big Maul. We're not talking about Mel. We're talking about Big Maul. Big Maul's dropping bombs. Yeah, we're not talking about the crybaby. <laughs> as you as you. Uh, called before. No, I never but, said. Uh, I don't know why you keep on saying that. Cry. I never said he was a crybaby. I said he cried. No, no, I just said he cried. We saw him cry. I just said he cried, and he would be better for that. So I've, I've said that the whole time. So, the crybaby nonsense. Get that out of here. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe my ears were a little plugged up that day or something. I don't know. But um, no. I, I, all, all jokes aside, I don't think that he takes. That, he, I don't think he gets in there with. Guy like Jamal Charlo, definitely not. Um, if he goes up to super middleweight and gets a belt up there, that really does nothing for Canelo as well, because you know he already went up there and got that got that belt from Rocky Fielding. So I don't think that really interests him uh, any much. Uh, but if that's what the case is, and they're talking about belt season, you better get in there with Bubu Andrade coming up next. It's a, it's a, it sucks that Andrade has a fight already, and that you know. You can't really get out of business that that is there, but you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward with Canelo Alvarez because he has to get a fight in September, as we all know. And I'm not exactly sure when Andrade's next fight is, uh, but I know that it's definitely going to be uh, conflicting schedule-wise. And uh, even though they're all under the same house at the zone, it'll be. You know, it just seems like it, I don't think that fight's going to happen uh, in September just by scheduling. Uh, you know, unless Andrade just knocks out his opponent uh, uh, in a first round without taking any damage, then who knows. Uh, but um, <clears throat> there was a guy on the JP. zone that fought after after nine days. He had just fought really? like nine days ago in Mexico. That's what they were setting these guys up for. So maybe Andrade got that kind of skill. Well, I mean, you know, there's, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of those guys, you know. Um, shit, you know, it's got to be lower level guys. Uh, once you're fighting at the the world class level like Demetrius Andrade, uh, I don't think that he can do anything like that. Um, you know, taking that short notice of a fight, they have to get him out there. It's uh, his fights with Suleki. Um, I'm not exactly sure when that. I'm gonna have to look that up and see when they're gonna have that fight. Uh, or I'm, I don't know. I don't know. 
figure that out. But uh, I don't know what Canelo's going to do next. And I definitely don't know what Glover's going to do next. He's a little bit in no man's land. But Eddie Hearn's going to have to get busy. Good for him that you know Golovkin picked up the win the way he did yesterday. No, he had to be sweating in the first few rounds. Like, oh man, come on, man! I ain't waste this hundred million dollars on this. Um, but, but now, nah, pretty sure he got a stiffy after he seen that left straight bomb that came down and put him put old Rose down. Uh, but let's take it to JP and see what he thought about the fight and his assessment on Gennady Golovkin. And also, JP, what do you think's moving forward for Golovkin since Oscar De La Hoya tweeted out? Got to get another belt for us to think about getting you a third fight. Well, I was interested in the fight looking for the adjustments Banks will make with Golovkin. But uh, we didn't get to see too much of that. It seemed to be the same old strategic Golovkin that we've seen in the old HBO days. And when I say strategic, this is a placed opponent with a preconceived outcome. So the placed opponent, um, you don't have anybody to fight. And you're a big star and you're in, let's say you're in other as far as ethnicity goes, you fight a black guy, okay? That, that's, the, that's the blueprint. So when you don't have anybody to fight and you're a big star and you're, you're another, you fight a black guy who's kind of slick and looks the part. You know, it's basically Apollo Creed. You fight Apollo. And Steve Rose came in and did exactly what he was supposed to do, and I'm sure what they thought he would do. Oh, we'll get this guy. He's going to be able to come in and look crafty for two to three rounds. Uh, this is old Triple G, HBO. You need somebody in there who gives them trouble for the first couple of rounds, and then Triple G. But and here's where my respect and admiration comes in for Golovkin. He still got that next switch. He got that next level. He can ease that gear he can go to. And that's something fighters just don't be having these days, man. Um, guys just fight how they fight. You know, I'm going to go like, I'm be at this pace, I'm be at this aggression level for for however long I, I'll be here. Gennady has, and then this is a conundrum when it comes to Canelo and maybe just a, uh, a favor to how good Canelo is. Gennady doesn't hit that switch when he gets in with the the elite competition, we didn't see him hit that switch with Jacobs and get really aggressive. He tends to more be at a normal aggression level when he gets in against the good guys. And I think he should try to hit that next gear and just say, fuck it, air it all out, because he's not going to get a win against Canelo. We know that now, and that's where the interesting shit comes in. But as far as Gennady last night, um, yeah, he was getting touched, but I, don't, I think that was part of the quote-unquote big drama show, just a little bit. But I don't know. You know, Rose was able to come out, make him, you know, look pretty good, look look good a little bit out there. And Gennady, like the old HBO Gennady, went to the next gear and went in there and mowed him down real quick. Still showed the, the aggression, still showed the power. Um, nobody still wants wants that. When it comes to Canelo, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I love Canelo, but I'm highly disappointed or, you know, just not satisfied with Canelo right now. You know, in my estimation of Canelo, he hasn't beat elite comp, in my eyes, convincingly. Even, now look, mm-hmm. I, must have been wearing, I must have been wearing some strange goggles that night when he fought Cotto. 
But at my fight, at the fight party I was at, we had Kodo winning like the first, a lot, uh, quite a few of the first eight rounds. But Me I don't, too. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I digressed from it because everybody's told me I'm crazy. But me and my boys was like Kodo's putting on a boxing clinic. You know, I'm, I don't know. I haven't watched it again. I have to. But, um, and then I think I CeeLo said it both. best. I think you're crazy. Yeah, it might, man. I got to watch it again because everything's But uh, me at my fight party with my boys, we was like, you're turning to Kodo, jabbing him up, doing what he want to do. Um so that has an asterisk by it. Uh, then, you, you you know, I don't really want either fight to Golovkin. And I think that's the majority consensus on what happened in those fights. Um, I think those fights have been graded on a curve. Oh, he stood in there. But what he stand in there and do? He ain't, we just saying he stood in there. And people are, like, giving him praise for getting in the phone booth with him. So what? What did he do there? You know, it wasn't like he was piecing them up or nothing. You know, none none of that was happening. So I think at this point that's going to make Golovkin, that's going to make even for a better third fight. And I think that's what Oscar may know. Because Golovkin now, here's what happened. Golovkin was the darling, and he had no sibling in his home that was nearly as praised, right? Coming through the HBO days, he was telling Andre Ward, you got to get with me. I put butts in the seats. This is Andre Ward already damn near Hall of, well, shit, Hall of Fame at this point, but, you know, Golovkin's rather new to the scene at this point, and he was having the audacity to be telling Andre Ward, you know, you don't put butts in the seats. So uh, Golovkin's just coming through this HBO train, being loved and praised, the, the beat Kell Brook, you know, go forward, we for. But then he ran into someone that they loved more, he came to find out. But he didn't know that was going to happen. He didn't know there was a, a favorite, there was another favorite child out there who he who he get completely kicked in the ass behind. And that's what he's realized now. The first fight, I don't know if he fully realized it. But after this second one, he know. Oh, he's the, he's the cash cow. He's the guy you, that even I, who is love. By all, I can't get it over him. Even with my goofy little laugh and all that, I feel like a brand new baby. That nigga said that shit last night, boy, I was laughing. But um, even he can't get that nod over him. So, that said, I feel like the third fight of make Golovkin be like, fuck it, I'm finna turn up on you. Like, ain't no boxing, I'm finna, I'm, I'm going all in, I'm 36. This the last, really, this my last hurrah. So what I'm going to do, stick around to fight Big Charlo or something like that? It ain't nothing for Gennady to do but go try to knock Canelo out. I don't want to hear shit about no – I don't want to hear about no belts. I don't want to hear none of that shit. We know why we came to the zone. We all know why everybody got the zone. We don't want to hear nothing about no fucking belts, no more marination. We don't need it. The man's old. We fought twice. There's nothing that we don't want to see. No fucking Andre. We don't want to see none of that. <laughs> Let's get it. Well, let's get yeah. to where we're supposed to be in that third fight like we was promised and like we're supposed to have. We don't need it a year from now. Let's get it. You know, I'll, I'll wait. 
to Cinco de Mayo of 2020 since we're already, I won't say we got to do the next fight. But Cinco de Mayo, 2020, that's Gennady Golovkin, Canelo 3, and I'm taking Gennady with a knockout match. Hey, JP, as a guy around that 36-year-old uh, uh, age, hey, what happens when you turn up? What happens to you when you turn up? The night, uh, the day, the day after you, you, the day after you're not feeling too good. So that's what's going to happen if Triple G decides to turn up. The reason why Canelo beat him because he stood inside there and he didn't get hit and he was hitting him, you know. And Can- uh, Triple G didn't want to turn up because he knew he, if he turned up, he was going to get hit more and be a little more off balance and maybe get dropped. So you know, turning Nobody up at 36 feels- sounds good, but you don't feel good in the next day. Nobody thinks Canelo won other than people who wanted Canelo to win. Nobody thinks so. And the judges. People who went for Oh, well, shit. We know that. That's a given. But if you're a person on the fence, if you're a fence person or if you had no horse in the race or if you're Gennady fans, I say most people who just was there to see the fight with no favor, all say Gennady won both fights, man. I think Gennady put a lot of hands on that boy. Canelo does what Canelo do, throw a nice hook Canelo here and there. Club, nice oh, that's nice. But, you know, Gennady came out and showed us, hey, I can just outbox this dude. See, we didn't expect that. That's what was the, that's something we none of us expected going into that first fight. It was like, whoa, Gennady just heavy jabbing him up like this? Canelo looked like he didn't know what to do. Anyway, man. I want the third fight. I think now Gennady's like Hollywood Hogan. This Hollywood Gennady at this part, he like, fuck this shit. I thought I was going to get to smile and be goofy and nice, and, and I'm the favorite. No. Okay, I'm not the favorite. Now I'm going to fuck y'all whole situation up and try to kill this motherfucker. And that's what I think. Let's get it. All right, Willis. I like, you know, man, JP might so be into a third fight right now. If that's the good offer, we could get it. If we in the third fight with Canelo, he just sold me on that. I'll definitely be giving Canelo hate. I don't hate Canelo. Stop that. I don't know where you come up with this false narrative. Look, man. No, you don't hate him. You hate yourself for being a fan of Canelo. So it comes out as you hate Canelo, but you're a fan of Canelo. So it's really like you're asking yourself why do you, why do you like this guy so much? I am not a fan of Canelo. Because he, he he's got, a big dog, man. Stop. Triple G looked old as hell last night. He was getting he was getting two piece <laughs> by some guy <laughs> from Toronto. You know, Steve uh, Steve whatever his name was Rose. Come on, what's now. That, Canelo what's was that, looking old and slow. You got something against Canadians now? No, he just came. A guy that's where he was from, Toronto. Yeah, but you made it seem he like he was pieced up by some guy from Toronto, like, you know, kind of insinuating, like, you know, an American brother would never get pieced up by a, a, a Canadian. I don't know. That's just what uh, kind of made it seem to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really – I haven't seen too many Canadian boxers. Usually the Canadian boxers are like Haitian boxers. So oh. and we that's how it usually seems. So they'd be Canadian but really Haitian. But this guy was just a regular black guy, I think. I think he was just a regular black guy, Steve Rose, regular black guy from uh, from Toronto, was giving him some pieces. We'd never heard of this guy before. 
Triple G looks old and washed right now, man. I didn't like what I saw. I like the sweet. I like the. I like the soft paw left though. I ain't gonna lie in the sleep, but he's not hitting. He's not hitting nobody with any skills with that. I don't think. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't really seem too uh, enthusiastic about the fight during the group message that we were talking about yesterday. Uh, so I, I can feel that. But the knockout was sensational. Um, I don't know if I give Golovkin anything higher than a B uh, for his performance yesterday, but the knockout was was a was a close to a plus. But that's an A knockout yesterday by Golovkin. That shit was really, really impressive. And if they're able to get this fight going with Canelo, yeah, I, I want to see Golovkin say, "Hey, gloves off, go for the gusto, and just leave no doubt." Because Look, man, we all know the first fight. Golovkin won that fucking fight. Bullshit draw, in my opinion. Second fight, eh, I guess I could see how they kind of gave it to Canelo. I, I, yeah, you know. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It's Canelo. We understand that. We understand the circumstances involved that little guy. So, whatever. Uh, hopefully they could figure something out because, like I said, the, the conflicting schedules with Andrade uh, and Canelo is not going to be able to have that fight in September. Uh, but Golovkin's got time right now. Maybe, you know, maybe the fight gets in demand. And, and look, man, we all know that Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> it don't take much to change that guy's mind. You know, he said that tweet out last night about 8 o'clock. If I'm Golovkin, I just sit back. Maybe next Friday or next Saturday, De La Hoya has a little bit too much fun, you know. He starts to think about trilogies while he's doing, you know, God knows what in his own private confines. And maybe he just says, you know what, let's do it, you know. So that's always possible. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, uh, uh, moving along, I also had some other boxing going on yesterday. Uh, you know, a guy that I really like, Willa, you, you always have this nonsense about me not liking Mexicans. Hey, let's stick on. Whatever. Hey, let's stick on that. Uh, stick on that zone before we get out to the zone real quick, because they did have uh, okay. Gennady Golovkin did did have a whole bunch of fighters out there. And uh, shout out! I just want to give a few shout outs to these guys that did that yeah, thing. Go, yeah, go ahead. The guy uh, Nikita Abia, Ababi. I don't know. I don't know if any of y'all saw him. This is White Kid, White Chocolate. I think he's out of like uh, Brooklyn or something. He's out in New York. Gave this guy the first round KO, like five and zero. Looks like he's gonna be real good. At first, I thought it was you know the guy uh, Luke Paul or whatever that was doing the fighting off the off the oh, YouTube. Yeah. That's who I thought it was at first. I was like, oh no, this boy, this boy that made it to the pros, but then this guy came in and dropped the guy. He looked good. And his nickname uh, is White Chocolate. White Chocolate, yeah, that's what he goes by. So you already know he's got. He's got my vote, so it's out of him and Joey Spencer who's gonna be these top uh, these top young white warriors coming out of the coming out of the USA. So we're gonna see what's up with these guys. Uh, why that guy, why uh, did Charles, get your vote? Hey, because he he says he's white chocolate. I mean, I I don't know. You know, I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling what he's doing there. I'm not though. feeling so, that. He better got he better got he better got permission from Jason Williams. I don't like that. I don't like that shit. I wish if JP oh. could hit that sound bite real quick. 
I don't like that shit. Mm-mm. Well, I like it. White chocolate. So, hey, that just let me know where his head is. And he looked like he got, he got, he's dropping bombs. So, shout out to him. This guy, uh, Matamorov, I, I don't know how to really say his name, Matamorov or something like that. He looks like he's a young beast. I'm pretty sure that's one of uh, Triple G's guys. He looked like a beast. Ceballo, Ceballo, that guy really impressed me. I think he said he was a five-time uh, Golden Gloves national champion, um, Puerto Rican cat. That boy looked real good in there. He's supposed to be. He was fighting some uh, some Russian guy, one of Triple G's guys that was coming in just trying to sleep him the whole time. He just whooped that boy, gave him a boxing lesson. So that boy's look to look out to look out for too. And then uh, Akmadev, whatever the, the last guy's name was, I don't even know how to say these guys' names, but <laughs> he looked like a beast. Triple G looks like he has some old ass beast in his stable. I don't think Sabayo and White Chocolate, I'm not sure if those were Triple G's guys, but these Russian guys, they look like they're coming in here doing the work. And the, and like JP said, they were just whooping. It was just a lot of black guys getting whooped last night. Beat up. Oh, man. When in doubt, when in doubt, whoop a brother's ass. Always, always good for the optics. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good for everybody. It's a win-win. Oh man. Oh man. Because <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah. Only I think there was one the Mexican guy. There was one Mexican guy, but he was he was really dark. He got beat up by uh, by uh, uh, Magnumov. I think I think that was the guy that came off of came off of a nine day. He just fought nine days ago. He got six round sleepage. Well, TKO, yeah, he just got beat up. But they got some beasts out there, man. They got some beasts. So be looking out for Ceballo. Out to Willa. Especially Ceballo Willa. and Abiyi. Abiyi. Willa is doing real podcasting Abiyi. right now. This is real hardcore podcasting that Willa's doing. Shout out to Willa for talking about people no one cares about or knows about. That's real journalistic type shit you're doing well i just watched it uh, you know i watched it and i like what i saw so i'm gonna give shout outs where they're due so just in case we always had it in the bag boom damn that right there see <clears throat> like i said i didn't have my my design subscription anymore so i missed out on the undercards but i mean Sounds like it was a tough day for the brothers in the office over at the zone, but that's all right. You know, dust yourself off and try again. So, uh, but yeah, I'm really not feeling that white chocolate nickname at all, man. That one, there's only one white chocolate in the United States. Nikita, know who that is. white chocolate, a Bobby, a Bobby. Jason, white chocolate, Williams. Cross over the glue. No, that's the original. So hard. But there was white chocolates before him. You got to understand. There's white chocolates in every hood, JP. I mean, uh, I mean RC. No, that's white chocolates. In I every think the name corny as shit. I mean, you got to be given <laughs> that name. Like any nickname, it has to be given. You can't call yourself white chocolate. It's How do we corny. know he does? He's from like, Brooklyn. We don't know. We don't okay, know that he's just calling himself that. Well, shit, he's a Brooklyn native. Uh, he's from the streets. I'm, I'm with, I'm with, yeah. I'm with you. But I, my question is more of this. Here's my question: 
if I'm a white fighter, man, I am doing everything in my fucking power to fill the void of trying to be the, the white hope. And these motherfuckers not doing that in my estimation. Caleb Plant oh, yeah. is not going to be that guy. Caleb Plant fucking is <laughs> black, basically. Um, exactly. Fucking, uh, Caleb Plant probably, probably dude, follow white chocolate. That nigga black. Um, this guy, I don't know if, if, if calling himself white chocolate will come off well with white people. You know, you need to be Kelly Pavlik. Kelly Pavlik has gotten the closest we've seen. Youngstown, Ohio. You know, just a good old Midwest motherfucker or whatever that shit is. And, you know, that's what you need to be trying to do. Kelly Pavlik just couldn't carry it out long enough and really didn't have to look. But, um, man, if I'm, if I'm a white fighter, dude, I am trying. My name is trying to be fucking uh, Tyler Smith from Minnesota. And I'm going to wear an American flag to the shit. And you can box good? Oh man, mm-hmm. but they fucking up, man. Mm-hmm. They 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 ain't doing it right. You ask me. That's that's a really good point, man. You know, if, if they already got the privilege, so why not go all in and go for the go full on Cooney country? You know, <laughs> I mean, you got you got a point there, JP. I don't know about this whole white chocolate shit. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. As a matter of fact, I'll be I'll be checking out this guy's next fight. Hopefully, see him get roughed up a little bit. But it's Willis guy, and you know, uh, a good job Willis by giving the guy some credit that's deserved over on the zone. I went over to the zone's uh, Instagram page, the zone USA. It might be with the uh, you know, there's different zones that are that are out there. But um, uh, I was looking to see if I could find the names of these guys. Uh, but uh, you know, they're just over here blowing up Golovkin and all that good stuff. So. It's it's uh it's whatever whatever. But uh, I'm sure if these guys are the goods as you say, you know they'll be they'll be doing a lot of work on the zone. Uh, great platform for these guys. So uh, all in all, uh, the zone had some real real good success last night, and hopefully those guys keep doing it because uh, you know the zone's out there doing doing big things. But over on the other side of the street, so to speak. You got ESPN carding up. My guy, Willa, Willa has this this false narrative that he throws out there about me hating Mexicans or something like that. But Oscar Valdez, one of my favorite young fighters, well, not too young, 28 years of age, but still, uh, Oscar Valdez, I like that guy a lot. I really like Oscar Valdez. That guy, for one, He's like uh, he's like Steve Irwin, you know. This guy's got his fucking zoo in his backyard over on his ranch over in Mexico. You know, he's got uh, uh, a lot of people didn't believe me when I say he's got a uh, a crocodile that he swims with and shit like that. And he's not like <clears throat> the crocodile's got his mouth taped up whenever he's around him. Now this thing he's very comfortable with has gigantic tor- tortoises. Uh, a lot of shit going on at his ranch is funny. Normally, for me, I got a problem with people who have animals. Like, let's say, let's say Willa has a dog, and the, and his dog's name is Jerry. Now, I don't like dogs with human names, or I don't like, you know, I I really don't. It just bothers me the wrong way. Like, 
you know, like for for example, like my one of my cousins has a uh, like a little Paris Hilton looking dog. Forget what it's called, uh, but this little fucking dog, like it, it, it's over in LA, so like you know they're like fashion forward in the area of Redondo Beach, so they give the dogs flowhawks, and you know they color the top of this shit like. You know what I mean? He has, like, bows and ribbons and shit around him. <laughs> like, the whole nine. And whenever I was over there chilling, I remember, like, crashing out on the couch one day, coming home late, and I wake up in the middle of the night. This dude, George, is his name. He's just staring at me. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, George. And right then and there, I realized how much it bothers me. But long story short, you know, he got, he, he got a crocodile named Steve, but named after Steve Irwin. This dude, I like Oscar Valdez a lot, man. That kid... That kid could fight too. Look, man, there's no I could I could go over certain fights and enjoy the shit out of it like as if it's the first time watching. And I could you could never put on Oscar Valdez versus Jason Quigley and I'll change the channel or do something else and, you know, vacate the premises of the television set. After that fight, like man. Oscar Valdez, I always liked him. I always liked him before, but I mean, ever since that fight, he earned a fan for life for me. Whereas we all know, Quig came in uh, overweight, wasn't able to pick up the belt if he wanted to because so fought on like a bully, broke his jaw, and uh, broke his jaw in the fourth round, something like that. Had to fight eight rounds with a broken jaw. One of the best fights I've ever seen, man. And because so. I'm a big fan of the guy. Yesterday, he had a fight yesterday uh, on ESPN uh, against Jason Sanchez. And Oscar Valdez really punished him for 12 rounds, man. Knocking him down with the heavy overhand left. I mean, Oscar Valdez, he looked really good. But at the end of the fight, he said that, you know, I'm I'm struggling a little, a little bit to make, to make weight. And a, way, a move up in weight is a real possibility. Uh, I mean, I think that that's normal. Who said, you know, this guy's been fighting uh, at 126 for, you know, the majority of his career. He's 28 years of age right now. Uh, so, you know, I think that a move-up is, is what they're talking about next. Uh, so yesterday he made his sixth defense of the WBO title against uh, Jason Sanchez, as I mentioned. Uh, Oscar Valdez, 26-0 and 0 with 20 knockouts. Uh, I mean, had a little bit of time off after that broken draw. But they're talking about him moving up to possibly get in the ring with, uh, 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 first and foremost, possibility to get a fight with Carl Frampton. I would love to see that fight with Carl Frampton because I know Patty Cronin would be, you know, cocoa buttered up and – and I think that'd be a great fight if he doesn't have to move up. But the move up to super featherweight that they're talking about, which being 130 pounds, um, <clears throat> would possibly be against a guy like Miguel Burchelt. I talked about him not too long ago, so I'm sure everyone knows how I feel about that fight. But Burchelt would seem to have a big size advantage for me. Or the other one would be Jamel Heron, uh, who's, uh, I believe recently crowned the uh what is it the I think the WBO title uh with his last win over uh yeah. Masazaki. Yeah. And uh I think that with those guys coming up man, 
I mean, it's a really good situation for Oscar Valdez if he stays at his weight class and is able to make weight against Carl Frampton because I think he beats the fuck out of Carl Frampton. That's just me. Oscar Valdez does everything better than Carl Frampton, and he's got a better size than Carl Frampton. By size, I mean those little arms that Carl Frampton has. I think he beats the shit out of Carl Frampton. Miguel Bachel, I th- I think he would, depending on how well he could acclimate moving up, because, you know, Burchell is a big dude, and that, that would be tough. No lie. Uh, and Jamal Herring also, you know, move, anytime you're moving up the weight, it would be a little difficult. So uh, I, I like the position that Oscar Valdez is in, and I liked what I seen yesterday on display because he just beat the shit out of Jason Sanchez and, you know, did really, really good yesterday on ESPN. 12-round unanimous decision. But a lot of things I've seen in there that I like from 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 Oscar Valdez, including that big knockdown that I was talking about that happened, I believe, in the fifth round or fourth round, something like that. Well, what's your thoughts on the Oscar Valdez and his performance yesterday? And also, moving forward, do you think he should – if you were in his position, would you kill yourself to make weight in order, in order to have a fight with Carl Frampton? Or would you be like, fuck this, I'm moving up and go challenge myself against guys like – Jamel Herring, and Miguel Burchell. Well, you know, it, it, the way he was talking, well, first of all, his his performance yesterday, I thought it was it was good. He beat the guy up, but he didn't stop him. And, you know, but I guess that's maybe that's what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to work on his defense, trying to figure stuff out. He looked good in there, but he was still getting popped a lot, it seemed like to me. But his deep, I mean, but he wasn't getting – hit as much as I've seen him before. So I guess his defense did get a little better. Um, he was fighting a guy that was, I guess the guy was game, Sanchez. He didn't look, he wasn't as bad as I thought he was going to be, um, you know, but he, he was coming, he came to fight, he came to win. He was getting He was getting hit with a whole bunch of shots and he was, you know, he got dropped, but he was, you know, he was coming to fight. So, I mean, the Valdez fight, it, it sort of got a little boring to me because it seemed to me that he wasn't going to finish him, and then it was just, uh, you know, just a complete washing out there. So it sort of got a little boring. I sort of, I'm not going to lie, I lost the interest, you know, in probably around the 8th, 9th. I, I, I looked at it again, I think in the, ten, uh, the 11th and 12th, he sort of tried to put a little more on. No, that might have even been Flores Jr. I don't think Valdez might even try to throw it on like that the whole fight. So maybe that's what he was trying to do, get some rounds in with his defense. Um, but you know, I give him a a A, a minus for his uh, for the effort. But as far as what he should do, yeah, like you said at the end, at his interview sound like he's talking about moving up because his voice got very high. It's already high, but it got very high, and he was sort of like you know trying to explain to us that he couldn't, he he wasn't going to be able to make the weight anymore. So if you can't make the weight, call Frampton. I mean, you're going to beat him up anyway. So, but going up, you know, there's some big dudes out there. Like you said, Burchell is a big ass dude. Uh, Heron is an all right size dude up there. Um, so we'll see what he's got. He's So either way he goes, he can't lose. He's got some good fights that he's going to be getting paid off of. And we'll be able to see either way he goes, we'll be able to see a good fight. So, um, but I'm pretty sure he's going to go up and probably he ain't going for Burchell first. He's going to try to get a uh, Heron and see what, uh, and see what he could do with him before he steps up to the big dog. 
Yeah, true that, true that. <clears throat> I think that the move up in weight is probably what you're going to do next, just for the simple fact that you're having trouble making weight, and you got to sit around and hope for a super fight with Frampton. Not like the fight is, you know, time sealed and delivered six, four months from now, something like that. So still a, a certain level of uncertainty moving around the fact that you're still struggling to make weight. So I think a move up is inevitable. And I like to see it, but it is a little concerning, you know, because as you mentioned, you know, you, you it was a, a point in that fight where he was not going to get him out of there. Now moving up in weight, oh, guys can take punches a lot better than the guys in the lower level of weight. But now we are waiting to see what happens with Oscar Valdez moving forward. I like the guy. I like the guy a lot, though. So I want to see what happens. I hope he gets the fight with Frampton. If not, hey. Get in there with Bichelle. See what goes. See what happens there. But we're taking it to JP. JP, uh, yesterday Oscar Valdez had himself a unanimous decision victory, and he's talking about either moving up in weight, facing Miguel Bichelle, a guy I know you're fond of, and also uh, Jamel Hayes, or maybe hopefully staying around for a, a super fight with Carl Frampton. What's your thoughts on Oscar Valdez and his performance in the future that's uh, looming around uh, his post-fight interview comments yesterday? I didn't see the fight, so I won't speak to that, but I'll answer the second part of the question. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure how Valdez will do at the next weight class. Uh, you know, those guys, even those not that far away, it seems like they are a lot bigger, especially Burchill. Now, the fight to make, of course, would be Herring. That fight has a good contrast of style that has the slick, you know, black fighter who likes to fight on the back foot versus the determined Mexican Mexican style fighter. So that's the fight to make. I think it, it has some legs to it. I'm just not sure if Oscar is tall enough, rangy enough to be at the next weight class. Sticking around for Frampton, you know, it's, I, I still think that name is good on your resume, but I don't know if, if, if the payday is enough. If it's if it's if 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 it's could potentially if you are potentially hurting yourself in your training by trying to make that weight, it's not worth it because then you could lose and then only thing you have to blame that on is just you know the malpractice of going for something that's essentially taken away from you. You know when you're starting to break down your body to make the weight, you're not doing it right. So if that's the case. There's, there's no decision to be made there. You just go to the next class. But, again, I, we got to see if Oscar can make it there. Just initially feeling, I, I feel like it's going to be tough for him. You know, it's going to be tough for him with these bigger guys. These guys seem to have longer arms. You know, talking about fighting a, a guy like Frampton and then a guy like Burchelt, that's like two different bodies right there, even Herring. So, we're talking about fighting a different guy at the next weight class, but I think that's where we're left with Oscar, and I think the fight to be made is Herring, and that should be a good fight. I'm not 100% sold on Herring. In fact, I'd say that Valdez is a guy we know his determination is something we can rely on. That's going to happen in the fight. We don't know what we're going to get out of Herring in a tough competitive fight after he gets hit, which he will. So I'm ready to see that. Let's do it. 
Yeah, and it's crazy too if you think about it too, because yeah, look at Oscar's out there. He's five foot six. Hey, we can't hear you, RC. Where you at? Hold up, hold up. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I hope that wasn't a joke or nothing like that. But <laughs> the uh, I was saying, if you think about the stature wise from both guys, you got. Oscar Valdez at five foot six and Miguel Burchelt at five foot seven, but there's a it looks like a big difference from Burchelt and Valdez, even though there's a one inch difference on paper. Uh, <clears throat> be interesting to see how Burchelt and Valdez would work out if it was to happen that way. Uh, Aram, there's a report that came out uh, an hour ago from Boxing Scene saying that uh, Bob Aram would want Valdez Frampton later this year if Frampton wins next. Uh, I'm not sure who Frampton has next on his schedule because it doesn't have anything listed for on box rec. And, um, you know, this might be just a, a, a I'm not sure what, what they're going to do moving next. Cause I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I agree with JP. It's a good name on your rec, your resume being called Frampton, but it doesn't have that same luster. Uh, that it did before his uh, December bout against Josh Warrington, where he had lost the decision uh, unanimously. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I know that Warrington is an undefeated fighter, I believe 25-0, and 0, something like that. It, it was no slouch. But at the same time, you know, we talk about Carl Frampton, you know, 2015 fighter of the or 2016 fighter of the year. I mean, good resume for sure. Good name on the resume for sure, but it's, it just doesn't have that same luster. So if I, I mean, I think that he should probably uh, look for the Herring fight. I agree with that on JP. Uh, but at the same time, well, I, I don't think it's that big of a risk to go up in there against Miguel Burchell, regardless of how big the guy is. He's obviously been in there with a guy that's a lot bigger. I believe that night Scott Quigg and fought uh, Oscar Valdez was, was Scott Quigg somewhere around a welterweight. Type of, uh, he was around 146, something like that, on fight night. Close to 150, I know that. And, I mean, I, I know for sure that that fight took years off of his career. I mean, at least, you know, it took some heartbeats out of his <laughs> out of his fight, fighting spirit because that was one of those blood and guts all-out wars. But I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure uh, what what they do moving forward. Well, uh, JT saying Jamal Herring. I'm saying Miguel Burchell. What do you think between the three names that we discussed should be the ultimate fight moving forward next for Valdez that you, in in Willard's estimation? Uh, I think he should. If I was him, I would go ahead and try to fight Herring. Um, both of them being WBO champions, I think that'd be a fight that could be made, and we and we'll see if he can handle those guys up there. Um, like, you know, Burchelt is a, he's a big ass dude, man. And Valdez doesn't look like he, he said it. He doesn't really want to do, he doesn't want to smoke anymore. So he's changed up his style. He wants to last longer. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that'll be a good fight for him, especially right off the bat. Yeah. So if I was him, I'd go for, I'd go for Heron. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point that you mentioned that, Willard, because now, I mean, the way Valdez fights is fan friendly, but he's taking he's taking a lot of he's taking a lot of time off his career from his reckless uh, reckless ways of fighting. 
he's been in uh, too many dog fights for one's liking, especially if you're looking for longevity in the game. So, uh, you know, that one, uh, I, I agree with that. He definitely needs to change it up a little bit. Uh, but moving forward, there was also a young fighter in the, the beginning of the broadcast television set for ESPN. I thought it was really good uh, for young fighter Gabriel Flores Jr. Uh, getting to start off to kick off the show. I know fighters like to, you want a main event, you want a headline, you want to be the, the last show. That's pay-per-view style. But when it's free TV, I wouldn't mind the kickoff. You know, starting right away, getting your first impression on the crowd before people, you know, have things to do or whatever, whatever. I like the, the, the beginning type of a fight when it comes to this type of situation that Gabriel Flores Jr. had. Well, at least we've seen Gabriel Flores Jr. fight before. He was uh, one of the I wouldn't. I, I, I don't know how I put it. He was a kind young fella when I met him, uh, which was, you know, ultimately the Outsiders Boxing Podcast first verified credentially event that took place at the Tachi Palace uh, when I covered. Who was it? I forget. It wasn't it wasn't a big name, but it was definitely it was a top ranked uh, event, and that's when I first met. Gabriel Flores Jr. This was two years ago, somewhere around there. It wasn't last December. It was the December before that because uh, I remember it was cold as shit. But youngest ever signed by top rank. I believe he was signed just after his 16th birthday professionally. Uh, so mantra given to him is the youngest ever. Uh, right now he's uh, I believe 18 years of age, just had his first 10-round fight yesterday. Uh, we've seen him on uh, a Jose Ramirez undercard that was in uh, Fresno, California against, who was that? I can't remember exactly who it was, but we've seen Gabriel Flores. Well, when we covered the when me and Willa had talked about it, uh, Gabriel Flores had got dropped by a, a lower-level competition, but it was credited to the old man power that one possessed. I'll look up the name just right now in a second and give it to you, but I know at the point in time that that fight had happened, Gabriel Flores was probably barely 17 years old, might have just turned 17, and he was in there with a pretty big Mexican dude who was about 29 years old, close to 30. But after he had dropped Gabriel Flores Jr., he just put them hands on a whoop his ass. Uh, but yesterday he was in a today against I guess tough competition. You know, it was uh, when I was watching uh, Salvador Bersino. I never seen a Mexican fighter from Mexico go with the full on shoulder roll Philly shell defense. Um, he kind of reminded me of a. I mean, he really did remind me of Adrian Broner a lot yesterday. Philly shell defense, whenever he would get hit, he would shake his head no. And if he got hit really good, he would nod his head yes, like, okay. There's a lot of trash talking going on during the fight yesterday. Uh, 
Gabriel Flores Jr. though definitely has a lot of dog in him. Young fighter, he has a lot of good techniques. Uh, uh, trained by his dad, uh, also guys that we had met over in Los uh, uh, Los Angeles at Staples Center. And I mean, I like what I see from Gabriel Flores Jr. But I don't know. Something about him has vulnerability to me that Andre Ward was speaking of yesterday when he had broke down a couple shots that we've seen Gabriel Flores get hit with, keeping his hands a little low at certain times, and moving up in weight just might be an issue for the young fella. But as of right now, this young kid passes a lot and has a lot of boxes checked with flying colors. Uh, you know, not to say that this kid's not going to get better. He's very young and could get a lot better. Cool kid, though. I like him a lot. Uh I mean, I can only imagine. You know, we know that Canelo Alvarez had turned pro, uh, I believe, 15 years old. That's over in Mexico. Uh, competition's a little different when you're over here in the States. And, uh, you know, signed as the youngest ever by a company like Top Rank, opposed to, you know, fighting guys out of the Tijuana Cantinas over in Mexico. But, Willa, this kid, Gabriel Flores Jr., we've seen him fight before. I'm not sure if you've seen the fight yesterday, but it was a uh, a 10-round unanimous decision for Gabriel Flores Jr., but it was a good back and forth between him and Salvador Barcino because, uh, like I said, I've never seen a Mexican fighter from Mexico come out with a full-on Philly shell defense. And when he got tagged, you know, shaking his head no, he tried to he tried to throw exchanges with Flores Jr., but his exchanges were just very sloppy and slow. And Flores Jr.'s exchanges were very sharp with precision and speed. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the fight yesterday, but you have seen Gabriel Flores Jr. fight before. And uh, I just want to get your take on this kid's first 10-round uh, fight going to the card. Uh, yeah, I did get to check out the fight. It was a pretty good fight. I, in fact, um, I think it was a good test for uh, for. Uh, uh, for for Junior, he was he was in there with a, a older, you know, what is he? Yeah, Flor. Yeah, he was a uh, he's in there with an older Mexican cat, you know. And like you said, he was he's nineteen. What is he? Nineteen, twenty years old. So he he's in there with a grown man. And like you said, yeah, he was rolling at the Philly shell. He would get his, shake his head. He had a long jab, um, and but he was very slow. He made. He made Flores Jr. have to sort of dig a little. He had to dig a little to win that fight. Not to win it, but to stay, you know, just to to keep the pressure on. Because I think he might have lost He might have lost three rounds. I think I might have had him uh, losing closer to the end, three or four rounds at the end. Uh, well, not four, three rounds, uh, where he sort of slowed down a little bit. But then at the end, I remember mm-hmm. he started, you know, he went for – he went for the knockout. It seemed like he he put a little more pressure on, and he showed that he has, you know, it took him a second, but he had that second win. So I think um, I sort of compare him to Juan Diaz, and I hope he's a little better than Juan Diaz, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if the power, if his power can, well, if he can get some power. I want to, I want to say if his power can go up, but he's only 19 years old, so he's going to get stronger. He'll get better. We've seen him knock boys out. Oh, he's just 18. So, yeah. Yeah, He's got time. He barely turned 18. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't knock the grown man out, but he looked good against him. He gave, he, he, you know, he beat him seven out of 10 rounds. Uh, It was a good look for him. We'll see what he's got next day, but they need to take it slow. 
They need to slow it. They might need to slow it down a little bit. But this was a good test for him. He needs to stay around this this level of opponent right now for the next year or so, I think, for his next couple of fights. So he can master this this level, then he can take another jump up. But, you know, he needs some. He needs a little more power. Because he was hitting old dude, but old dude was shaking him off. You know, he saw, I think he might have buzzed him a couple of times. But when he buzzed him, he wouldn't he wouldn't attack like he was scared of the uppercut. I think he was getting hit with uppercuts a couple of times. It was I think it was a good learning lesson for for uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. There, so it was a good fight. I yeah. give him well. I was gonna grade him. I give him a B. He passed. He looked good. Um, but you know, I think he needs to stay at this level right now for a couple for a couple of fights. He don't need to jump up too too fast. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I, I, I gave him, uh, also gave him seven out of three rounds, or seven rounds to three uh, for Gabriel Flores. I, I mean, good point, though, because this kid that he was fighting with, I'm not sure, sure exactly what his size was, but he had to be. Uh, if I don't take a guess, I'd say he'd, he'd have to be maybe 5'9". I don't think he was 5'10". But, uh, you know, when I met Flores Jr., you know, who <laughs> You know, we size dudes up when we see him, and, and you know, uh, he, he was shorter than I was. Um, he was just a, a small kid, but that, at that time he was 16. So God knows what I was doing <laughs> at the age, age of 16. <laughs> hey, hold up. We're talking about two years ago. Now, two years ago, you know, that was five nine, real yeah. solid. Versino was 5'9". He's five nine, right? Okay, so that was my eye test. Yeah, Flores Jr. I, I, I have, they say they both five, five, nine, five, five, six. No, they say he's five nine, like but that. it was the reach. No, they saying he's five nine. So he's taller than you oh. by four inches. They're saying Flores both these fools is five nine. No yeah. way. That's, well, then That's I guess a, I'm five yeah. nine now. <laughs> no, well, no, you ain't five nine. This kid was that not was, bigger than me. He was me, 16. Really. He's a man. Nah, He's about to be that. a grown man now, though. Nah, fuck that. He ain't getting no. He ain't getting. No, he ain't get tall like that overnight. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Hell no. Nah. I mean, even when we're in LA, I seen his pops. His pops. I was talking to him before Jose came in, and uh, Jose Ramirez, because they were waiting on him, and that's when I was waiting on Willa to come through. And I was man, his pops ain't even taller than me. So how? That's bullshit. And he's like, nineteen, dog. Like, he's nineteen. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's nineteen well, now. Lot of, you saw him three years ago. A lot ago, of information being spewed by me this morning, but look, man, fuck <laughs> that. He ain't. He ain't no five nine. No way. No how, man. I seen this kid up close in person, and he ain't no taller than me. He ain't bigger than me. And in fact, no, I'm not gonna go there. But, I mean. I don't know, man. I gotta see this because that right there, that might, that might, that might be a little bit of what of what the zone did to Andy Ruiz and his height against Anthony Joshua. Because Andy Ruiz don't look no goddamn six foot two to me. I, I really thought he was somewhere around five eleven when, especially when we seen the way in face off with Anthony Joshua. But I don't know, man. I don't know. We're gonna find out though, because. Uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. has fights around this area where I'm at right now. 
And, um, uh, you know, next time they have something going on over here, I'm definitely applying for credentials, even though I had uh, a little bit of a beef with Jose Ramirez parking and bag boy manager, Rick Mirigan. Uh But it don't matter. It don't matter. So I'll definitely be seeing Gabriel Flores Jr. Next time I do see him, I'm going to get him on camera. We're going to do a video footage size up just for the Outsiders Boxing Podcast listening and for the correspondents involved with this right now. I'll definitely be sizing them up and we'll be we'll do a little face to face offering. And if we go face if if we go face to face and I'm a little bit taller than them, then well, I guess I'm five foot ten now, Willis. Yeah, then this box wreck is lying. They could be lying. You never know. I don't remember the guy you being know how they tall, be on that but I mean, the guy would seem like he was taller. I mean, if I remember it right, the guy, the uh, other guy seemed like he was taller. Brasino, Brasino. Oh, the other guy was taller. He was taller. You made a good point. Yeah. He was taller, and he had a lot more range. He definitely did. That's why I figured yeah. he was five foot nine, and Flores was maybe around five foot six, somewhere around there. Yeah, probably a little taller than you. Man, you know what? Fuck that. I'm a I'm a DM. Gabriel Flores right now, and I'm going to ask him how tall he is. Don't lie. We'll find out. Uh, but but we'll take it to JP. JP, I'm not sure if you've seen this fight yesterday, but uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. has been uh, he's been making his imprint as far as the young fighters of the future of top-ranked boxing. Uh, they throw him in the same mix as the, you know, Jose Ramirez, Michaela Mayer, those kind of young fighters that's moving forward for the sport. Um and, and, I mean, this guy is the youngest ever signed by top rank, at the, barely at the age of 16. And 19 years of age as of right now, this kid's, uh, you know, I think there's something about coming from Stockton, California. I think that, I mean, that's night and day compared to where Southern California is to that section of Northern California. Because, as we all know, just Northern and Southern California is so much different. You got guys from Stockton who have that sort of uh, attitude, like uh, they're like old school attitude up there. They're like the uh, they're like the generation who never stopped listening to NWA and Tupac for whatever reason. You know, you got the Kid Frost, uh, Nate Diaz. So what was that? Kid Frost, you mean? Oh, Kid Frost. Oh. Okay, yeah, you can throw that out there too, shit. I mean, you, bro, you got, like, a lot of these guys that are from over there in Stockton, California, and um, I, I, I'm fans of the, the Diaz brothers and things like that. Um, I remember, look, just a quick little story before we go to JP. Uh, we were, When I was talking about listening to some of the OTG shows uh, back in the day, I remember Willa was, I mean, uh, not Willa, uh, Suge had a problem with Danny Garcia because he thought that Danny Garcia was uh, throwing out ninja and not in those words, but saying that type, saying that type of vocabulary, uh, whether it was in his rap songs or something, we know that Angel has said words like that. And Janelle, being from the East Coast, is like, ah, man, that ain't nothing. Puerto Ricans over there say it all. They throw it around all the time. Um, now, I'm not throwing out no outside dirt or nothing like that because it's been put out there for the public on his social media handles. Uh, but Flores is one of those guys who's like, uh, like I said, if you want to boil it down to some of those old school cats who never stopped listening to Tupac, 
probably still wearing. Well, no, I, I've seen him. He, Gabriel Flores don't wear baggy pants, but he does not follow the new trend of generation wearing tight jeans and shit like that. But you know, he's he's one of those kids who who throws around a ninja word when he's on social media talking on whether it be uh, Snapchat or or live stories on um, Instagram. So something about this guy that shocked him. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it fair because, you know, these young guys, you know, that's how young guys are. And I do have uh, friends from over at the Boxing Voice and people that are in the Gable Floyd's camp who are uh, fans of the show and fans of, of my halfway journalistic skills, <laughs> you know. Uh, so they're, they're cool people, friends of the show, you know. And, um, you know, I, you know it, it's similar to me when when I would go see uh, a college football game. And I've been on the field with the Hurricanes back in the day. And, and my number one rule is if these guys are younger than me, I still, I, you know, I can't treat no kids like I'll treat or not treat, but I would uh, interact with. Uh, let's say a player older than me or something like that. So, you know, even though Gabriel Flores is a really good fighter and all that good stuff, and when I see him, this is basically I'm not, I'm never scooping to no fanboy level for anybody younger than me. So, you know, but that kid's really good. But um, there's something about Stockton, JP. There's something about Stockton, California, where you got uh, guys like the Diaz brothers talking about Stockton slap and motherfuckers is like, you know, well. I, <laughs> It's a little different over there. They got some. They got some sort of NWA lost in the '90s attitude up there. And I think Gabriel Flores, when he's in the ring fighting, he has that sort of uh, gritty fight style in there. Um, your thoughts on this young kid? If you if you've got a chance to see anything of him. I'm not sure. Um, didn't see the fight. Don't know a lot about Gabriel Flores Jr. But I will say that to touch on what you touched on about top rank and top rank really being able to reinvent themselves after the Mayweather era and Pacquiao era with a young, talented roster, Shakur Stevens, Lomachenko, Crawford, Tiafimo, um, Mm -hmm. and and kids like this. So kudos to top rank and Bob Arum over there, still sharp as a blade, man, that old cratered, decrepit guy, um, but, you know, over there still sharp and making sound decisions, and it looks like the future is bright for top rank because they got some of the some of the best. Like I always say, they're top-heavy now, but they, the, the inventory that they do have is very good, but they don't have a ton of product, and that's just the only problem over there at top rank. They're able to sign the, sign the big guys, they're just not able to put a team around them, so to speak, in basketball terms. But um, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, you know, and the Stockton guys, and when you bring the Diaz brothers into it, it do seem like the, the, the let's just say like the Mexican dudes up north aren't as, I don't know, Mexican? I don't. I don't know. I want to say. I, I'm not sure if I that's fair. I think that fair. might be that might be accurate right there. So opposite, opposite what I was saying. I thought you were saying they were more Mexican, but they're more they're more black. 
Lamar Irvin. I don't know. Let's say. Yeah, they definitely ain't about that bullshit. Um, and uh, yeah, they got a different way they carry themselves. It's more. I don't know. A matter of fact, I, I don't know, but they definitely carry themselves in a way where it's like, I'm not playing no games with you. So yeah, yeah, I do see a difference there, and that there's always been that rivalry between the Mexicans, the Norteños and Sarenos. That's the northern Mexicans versus the southern Mexicans, and that's you know in in every jail. So there's a difference between them, and they do not get along. There's a there's a big difference for sure because I mean, um, like whenever I go to to Southern California, uh, you, you see more of the cholo type Mexicans over there. Whenever I go to Sacramento, which is same similar area from Stockton being Northern California, uh, it, it, I don't know. It doesn't go just for Mexicans though because like the the white boys over that I've seen in Sacktown are more like. They're more like the the Eminem type white guys, you know, rocking Jordan. And, you know, this is back in the probably around. I mean, I haven't been a sack for a little while, but I mean, just white guys weren't normal white guys over there. Mexican dudes weren't normal Mexican dudes over there. It's very strange, especially because where I'm at in Central California, we're like, we have a mix of both from top to bottom. We kind of have that blend in between over here. Uh, but there definitely is some sort of uh, a difference in attitude for sure when it comes to uh, Northern California, and especially when it comes to fighters with, who personify things like that as far as the Diaz brothers and the way they conduct themselves. Um, we've seen that, even though um, this is not an MMA podcast or nothing like that, but we all we all seen when Nate Diaz you know, choked out Conor McGregor and especially when they had the rematch and things like that. Uh, Nate Diaz, uh, well-known for having sparring sessions with uh, Andre Ward and being involved in those camps when it comes to boxing. But just something different about those guys, man. They, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're still old English, but baggy clothes old English without the glasses and the Ruben Guerrero bandanas up north. I, I, I guess you could put it that way. But Flores, I like this kid. Uh, you, if you ever get a chance to check him out, JP, uh, I'll send a link for uh, that I just uh, seen because, uh, you know, I get tagged in posts from uh, the camp of his because, uh, you know, good friends, the good friends that I've met. And, and uh, you know, I get to see some of the, the work that this kid puts in on the bag. And, you know, his dad's real hard on him. And, uh I, I like the, the the way this kid's being brought up, but we'll see how this whole thing works out with Gabriel Flores Jr. Now, moving along, folks, um, <clears throat> this is something that I didn't really want to add into the show's description, but I felt that uh, it had to be done as far as a keep-your-head-up type of stuff and keep prayers out there. Um, we've seen a lot of fighters – go out in, in ugly ways and things of that nature. Uh, um, we always say you don't play boxing. Uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith is getting a lot of shit thrown at him for comments he made about Andy Ruiz Jr. And he's been so upset that he's been 
you know, doing shows, being called out by Canelo Alvarez on Twitter, called out by various boxers on Twitter and social media handles where it's like, dude, you're you're not in your lane. We get it. You're a basketball guy, and you're talking about boxing, which isn't your or it isn't your main main, and you're being very, you know, critical about guys who who've been busting their ass their whole life, and you know, uh, I I, I talked to my guy Robert Littell, Black Sports Online on Twitter about it, like. You know, uh, a consummate profession when you think about the fact that this is a sport where guys are getting punched in the face for the profession, for the craft, for the sport. If you put gloves on a little kid, not a little kid, but, a, you know, 10 years old or something like that, put gloves on them and say, this is what this sport does. You punch each other in the face. They get hit once. They might cry and say, fuck this. I'm picking up a basketball or a baseball or a football, you know? Not everybody wants to get hit in the face, and especially the, the long-term uh, uh, sacrifices that is given for boxers, you know? That's why you'll never hear me. I might say a lot of things about fighters that I don't like, but you'll never hear me come on this show and call a fighter a bitch. I won't do that. Because for the simple fact of the matter that um, everybody who laces up should be given the a certain amount of respect more so than, you know, the next. Like, let's say back in the day, Mike Tyson would walk into a building, a, a fat party. This is when Mike Tyson was the most dangerous man on the planet. And Michael Jordan was in the same building. And um, I don't know, John Elway, in the same building, you know, around that 90s time. Uh, and Randy Johnson was in the same building. The room will gravitate towards the fighter because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yo, the, the fighter is the guy who, especially when you're the heavyweight fighter, you know, you're the most dangerous man on the planet. You'd be able to whoop anybody's ass because you're bigger than everyone. Whatever. Long story short, this is a sport that is unforgiving. It is a business that involves pain, blood, sweat, and tears. And it saddens me to hear the news about Zab Judah and also uh, a Mexican fighter who isn't nowhere near relevantly known uh, by the name of uh, Felipe Ortuga. Um, <clears throat> I remember Willow talked about in our group message that Zab Judah's fighting on Fridays. Oh shit, Zab Judah is old, what, 41 years old, getting back in the game. Do they need money? What's going on? And uh, when I looked at the guy he was fighting, being uh, Cletus Silgan, like, man, this is a pretty chopped up white boy. Like, you know, I hope Zab Judah knows what he's getting himself into. Come to find out, he gets his ass whipped for 11 rounds. Now, this is not verified, or well, it's from verified sources, but it's not 100% verified because of the fact that, you know, families don't want this news to be out there like that. For it, Maybe it's worse than, than is being reported. But as of right now, 
They're saying that Zab Judah got hospitalized and is reportedly in a coma after a TKO loss at the 11th round. And, I mean, that's just sad, man, for a guy like Zab Judah to come back. You know, we're talking about super Zab Judah. You know, back in the day, people used to talk about having a backhand like Serena, jab like Zab type shit in the hip-hop community. Uh, I, I mean, I feel bad for him to, to see the news and to hear about how things went down. I mean, you could go, I mean, you have to go to the dark sources of the internet to find the footage because I've looked for the footage on Twitter and it shows the video. And then right when you click to press play, it says the video is not available in your area. And that goes for both the fights that I'm talking about, right, or both fighters that I'm talking about right now. So Zab got he got his head knocked. The the, the box uh, copy box said that he took over 300 shots to the head in the fight that was ultimately stopped in the 11th round. And also Felipe Ortuga, who was believed, oh, this man had to be revived CPR style after the fight. Now, when you look at it, because I found the footage, and this is by a fighter, <clears throat> Jonathan Rodriguez, who stopped him after excessive blows to the head. Some of them look like a little bit of rabbit punches. Very Brock Lesnar-esque in, in MMA and Conor McGregor-esque against Floyd Mayweather with the, you know, smacking on top of the head with the bottom of his fist. Didn't look like some of the most devastating of knockouts, but nonetheless, uh, the accumulation and just punches that were put together, uh, they, you know, they added up and led to a lot of bleeding in the brain, unfortunately, for both sides. Uh, it sucks that we have to cover this kind of news because I get no enjoyment out of it. I'm sure the listeners get no enjoyment out of it. But being informative and covering all in all of what happens in boxing, that's unfortunately the circumstances that it happened with one Zab Judah. Ortuga was, uh, the fight was in Mexico. Uh, so, I mean, just a scary sight, man. This is a scary sight. You know, the ref, when the fight ended, the referee's holding him up against the ropes. Like, you know, you can't continue no more. And then just, boom collapse. Next you know, they're doing CPR in the ring on this man. It's like, man, unforgiven, unforgiven. Uh, Willa, I'm going to take it to you because uh, you had mentioned that Zab Judah was fighting, and I had no clue that Zab Judah was fighting. But when you once you said that to us, and if we've seen the fight, I was like, no, I didn't, but I'm going to look up and see what happened. Come to find out, very unfortunate circumstances for one Zab Judah and uh, Felipe Ortega, who I had sent the links to you guys this morning about what had happened. And um, man, bro, this is this is just part of the boxing game where guys like Stephen A. Smith should, you know, to keep the words soft and sweet sometimes because this is a sport where, and I know guys, you know, was it a was the Raiders defensive player who had killed a man off a hit. I forget what it was. Uh, I mean, players have died in other sports, but I mean, you know, not like this. This is a combat sport, and, and not a, it's not been a casualty. 
but you know, this is a uh, this is pretty bad, man, for both guys, and especially one being on the global renowned level of Zab Judah. Um, your comments on this unfortunate circumstance, if any, my friend. Well, as um, as you said, there hasn't been any kind of confirmation. There's nothing, you know, there's just a lot of posts about it. Just like today, there was a post about uh, Bushwick Bill dying, and then the publicist put out a, a statement that he didn't die. So we got to wait and see, you know, it was on Fight TV pay per view. People were paying fourteen ninety nine uh, for the fight. Um, like you said, fight you couldn't find any fight. F I T E. Oh, okay, okay. Fight. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's like where you can see your your local wrestling promotions. That's where they'll have their pay per views and stuff like that. So it's like a you know place where if you get some money, you could probably go on Fight TV and put yourself a pay per view together. You know, a type of a, a situation like that. So, but you know, I was able to catch the fight this morning with knowing. I don't remember if I knew that he was, uh, uh, if I knew the news or not. But he was getting worked, but it didn't look like he was getting worked that bad. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't catching super hard shots. The guy was just doing a lot of work on the stomach. The guy was coming in hard. You know, hitting them, but he was getting hit a lot. Uh, they. When he stopped the fight, he got hit. I can't remember if it was a right hand. He got hit. He sort of wobbled over to the to the ropes. He started getting – he might have got hit a few other times, and he stopped the fight. And he was wondering why the, stop, the fight was stopped. He was pissed off. He ran out the crowd. The guy that was doing the commentary, he, like, threw his headset down and ran after him. You, could, you know, you couldn't see it, but you could hear it. And the guy's like, oh, man, this guy just ran off to see about Judah. So I don't know. I hate to hear that it was that serious because he was just catching. He was, he was getting hit by a lot of shots, but they weren't just like power blows. But there were a lot of shots. He was just getting hit. You know, the guy was doing a whole bunch of work. Um, old Cletus. Um, so, you know, like you said, prayers out to Judah. Prayers out to the uh, the other guy. What was his name again? How do you say his name? Felipe uh, Ortuga. Uh, yeah, Ortuga. Prayers out to him, man. You know, this is boxing, and. Uh, you know, when guys like Wilder say catch a body, you know, I think, you know, stuff like this might yeah. make him want to rethink saying stuff like that. Uh, but when it comes to Stephen A. Smith, Stephen A. Smith said Ruiz look, looked like Butterbean. He is a fat fighter. Butterbean was a boxer also. He put his life on the line. So he's not saying that he's not a, a warrior or anything like that. He said he's a fat motherfucking-looking guy. So that's yeah, just what yeah, it I'll is. I mean, people took that a little too perfect. Yeah, think, I'm not worried about because, that because like, he looked like Butterbean. That's what we would have said. We would have said the yeah. same thing. This guy looks like Butterbean, Mexican Butterbean. We would call yeah, him Fat true. Rocky. I think people took it a, <laughs> yeah, I think people took it a little out of context for sure. I think I think it's just because he made it – I mean, even though he didn't say it, he made it seem like Ruiz was a complete bum. Because, uh, I mean, hey, Willa, your guy Canelo, he came, he came out and, you know, had a very long tweet about Stephen A. Smith, and Stephen A. Smith threw it back at – well – I know you don't speak English, so I'm talking to your publicist. Insinuating that your boy Canelo could not form uh, a, a, a sentence or a paragraph form that professional. So, like, he's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way from his comments ever since then, man. 
Oh, well, Steve Day Smith, I hear they're not doing too good. He's doing what he can. I'm not mad at it either way. You know, him and Canelo can go back and forth. I could, I could really care less. Canelo, he needs to relax. He said he looks like Butterbean, and he does. He's he's a fat boxer. That's Butterbean. If you're a fat <laughs> boxer, you're Butterbean. I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. I feel you on that. Uh, but, yeah, comments like what Wilder says about catching a body should really be reconsidered when things like this happen. Because, man, bro, that was just ugly, man. That was ugly. I know Judas – that Judas team okay, but Felipe Ortega, man, I mean, you know, that guy was getting CPR in the ring, man. I was like, God damn. I mean, Jonathan Sanchez, the guy who knocked him out or or stopped him, he didn't completely cold knock him out because he was still up, you know, when the bell, when the ref got in there. But just that, that whole vision of it all, that, it, you know, I don't know. We'll take it to JP real quick and, and just cover up the rest of this one right here. JP, this is a, uh, it's something that I mentioned I did not want to put into the description of the show, but we had to just being the informators that we are in the sport involving Zab Judah in a possible coma at this point in time. Felipe Ortuga, who suffered uh, massive brain, brain bleeds from an accumulation of rabbit punches and uh, had to be you know revived uh, after the fight with CPR and to second part that being the Stephen A. Smith comments that he had made about the fight game and uh, 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 just insensitive comments about a sport where it's this unforgiving and we have, you know, the likes of Zab Judah and Felipe Ortuga who are both hospitalized after their bouts this weekend. Oh uh, man, it's unfortunate. I I didn't see the fight. I at this point don't want to really see it. I um surprised to hear Zab is going eleven rounds in a fight. You know, you tell me Zab's in a coma, I'm thinking some kind of severe third round, fourth round knockout where he just goes face down. You tell me an eleventh round fight where Zab can even last with a guy that's capable of hurting you like that, Zab shouldn't even be in there 11 rounds. But I think that more so speaks to Zab's fighting way past his expiration date. Like, you know, boxing has to sanction these fights better. You know, they, they've handled the severe cases like Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, um, some more recent fighters, and Roy Jones, not letting these guys fight in the States. You got to – Zab shouldn't be able to fight, man. You got to do some psychological evaluation at some age or when we detect these fighters are slurring and they're starting to show signs of being punchy or, you know, brain effects, CTE, we have to do some evaluation. Boxing has to take some accountability and some responsibility for the people who have contributed to their sports and mainly the fighter. You know, Zab Judah has taken a lot of blows, clean ones, and been hurt numerous times in his career. At some point, we have to make a standard for where we're doing a mental evaluation. We have the technology. We have this stuff. It's, it's, it's not that expensive to send the Zab on in for a psychological evaluation and scan his brain. And let's see, let's set a standard for, you know, where these guys should be. And if you're not here, you can't fight. But I think, you know, this result is boxing dropping the ball. 
because Zab shouldn't have been able to fight. I think he's fighting. Of course, he's fighting for money, but we got to be looking out for these guys' health rather than you want to put on some card in a fucking high school gym and get a guy killed. Let a guy kill himself. So at some point, mm-hmm. boxing has to be accountable. Boxing has to be accountable at some point, and that's the conversation I like to start. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, we've seen sanctioning bodies that would allow fights and wouldn't allow fights. Uh, I mean, shit. <laughs> if if me or you, JP, wanted to like get in a bout with somebody and get get uh, our license to box, you know, we go over down in Willis, Texas. Or yeah, I'm sure we pay like twenty bucks <laughs> or something like that. Texas would let anybody fight professionally. And sanction that shit. California too, for a certain extent. California, they're you know they're not as bad, but you know California still would allow some shit like that. I'm not sure. Will it, um, do you know where the fight was yesterday? Because I did not catch that part of my research. Uh, yeah, it was my, in New York. Before. Yeah. It was wow. in New York. Really, New York. Wow, that's that's highly disturbing to me because if you guys remember when Deontay Wilder had fought Luis Ortiz, and he had got really hurt in that seventh round or sixth round, whatever it was. And when he came out to the next round, remember, guys, when uh, they had, like, pulled Wilder aside when the, when the bell had rung to the next round to start, and everyone's like, oh, what are they doing? They're giving Deontay Wilder time to recover. That was because a fighter in New York had just died the week before. I can't remember the exact name off the top of my head. That was back when – that was the week before Wilder and Ortiz had happened. And New York was like, oh, no, you know, we're not giving Wilder uh, a break or nothing. It's just protocol when someone is very hurt that we have to double-check on them because a fighter had just died fighting in New York the week before. So that's crazy. That's crazy to me that that shit was in New York after, I mean, you would think that they they learned something about this or, or would be more – um, I don't know, just just more precautious about something like that. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy that it happened in New York. I can't believe that shit. Honestly, that's uh, that's very bad. That's that's bad, bad, bad. Um, but JP, uh, uh, final cover up on that one being the uh, since I wanted to intertwine it with something that was relevant, uh, being involved with Stephen A. Smith and his insensitive comments about Andy Ruiz Jr. And some of the heat that he had faced from a lot of fighters. I mean, everyone from journalists to fighters and people that are involved with the sport had a lot to say about someone who has a lot to say about everything in a in a very loud manner. Um, your thoughts on Stephen A. Smith, because he's got a very big platform with ESPN now where he's covering boxing uh, a lot more with Max Kellerman than Skip and Shannon ever do over on Fox Sports. Uh, you know, a few things, you know, picking on Stephen A with this kind of stuff is low-hanging fruit. I'll say that. Secondly, it's boxing fans just being fickle um, under the umbrella of, look, you, you, you big dogs never paid us no attention. Don't try to come over here now with your casual ass observations and conversation and talk about the sport we've been carrying for the past 20 years while you fuckers never paid us any attention. So 
that's kind of, I think, boxing fan sentiment. That's where we're coming from. It's like, Stevie Man, yeah, we'll listen to you with basketball. That's a big mainstream sport. And you guys been covering that over there. But you guys just start paying attention to this and talking about this. And your conversation is casual to our ears. So don't come over here with your big platform. And look, Stephen A. can't help his platform. You know, when Stephen A. says something casual and, you know, kind of off base, it goes very far. A lot of people get to see it. Now, you got fucking fighters and people who've been involved with the sport who say dumb shit all the time. And we're just like, oh, whatever, that's Teddy Atlas. Oh, whatever, that's Gabriel Flores. That's you who Mark Kriegel, whatever. They say dumb shit all the time. But when Stephen A. does it, because he's a casual, because they want to get involved in what's been ours, this is ours, we're a niche sport, you know, and we've, we've carried it, we've been weirdos to our friends, people are like, what, who, boxing, what kind of fucking weirdo are you, you know, and so we don't want nobody to come in here and popularize what's ours, We, we it's ours. And we don't want you manipulating it or perverting it. So that's what I think it is more so with Stephen A. Yeah, I don't think it's fair because, uh, like, you know, like for me, um, coming from OTG, you know, uh, some of the guys who are, like, uh, they're writers and they have their own shows, guys like uh, Andrew Patterson uh, from Scotland, guys who – around that area, um, anytime I would bring up something outside of, of hardcore boxing, like, you know, you're considered a casual. And I think that what you what you just said right now, as far as, you know, if you weren't here before then, you know, you it's, it's really similar to that fact where, you know, they're just kind of, you know, boxing fans are strange to a certain extent because our, uh, most hardcore boxing fans, I mean, uh, you could attest to this, JP, like uh, over uh, Neff, cool dude over at the Boxing Voice. He don't know shit about basketball or football. He's just strictly boxing. A lot of fans are like that with boxing. So when you kind of branch out a little bit, you're considered one who's not fully invested in just this one sport. And, I mean, fuck, (laughs) we we don't just simplify one sport specifically. Shit, like over at, um, you know, we can talk about talk about anything um you know like a jp show for example the relatively black and fat podcast we talk about basketball and all this stuff and we can venture into things more so than than not everybody else but you know others can when it comes to when you specify on one sport as we are here at the outside of boxing podcast but uh you know i think that sometimes it, it uh it feels from my perspective of when i see from the comments that Stephen A. Smith is the leader of the casual boxing fan base that has uh, had a resurgence, so to speak, now that ESPN, like I said, they have Max Kellerman. So when boxing news comes out or something like that, it might not necessarily hit the, the waves of of uh, Skip and Shannon over at Undisputed on Fox Sports 1, but it will hit on ESPN because Max Kellerman and things like that. And you got Stephen A. Smith, so boxing does get some clout over on uh, on um, ESPN. Not to say they don't. 
on Fox Sports because, you know, you have Sugar Ray Leonard, who's been a, a guest on Undisputed. You had Earl Spence, who was on Undisputed. You had Manny Pacquiao, who's on Undisputed. Uh, but it just doesn't cover it as much as ESPN and the way Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith kind of go at each other about these things. So I, I don't think it's fair for the way people are coming at Stephen A. Smith. And, uh, I mean, you know, to each but his own. Let me say this, R.C. It's, it's how – where's the line, though? Where's the line? Because Stephen A. Smith, I'm sure, a lot of casual boxing fans, with what we'll call casual – and I don't even know where I am in this thing because there's far more hardcore guys out there than we are. Um, mm-hmm. But where's the line? Because Stephen A's been watching. He's older than we are, and he's been watching fighting longer than we have, I'm sure. None of us mm-hmm. were really around for, for the Mike Tyson era. I don't think me, you, or Willa can attest to the Mike Tyson run. Some of us were there right. for the tail end. But Stephen A was there for that whole thing. Saw all the fights, I'm sure. I'm sure Stephen A. saw all of Larry Holmes' career. So where's the line with what's a mm-hmm. casual and what's uh, a hardcore, so to speak? Because I don't know how much boxing you need to know or talk about if you've just been watching it for thirty or forty years. And so you know, I think there's some some something to be said there because we think because we're tuning in every weekend and we know who who the fuck um, you know. Gabriel Pacheldez or some lowly named Gabriel Flores Jr. That makes us a superior knowledge fan compared to a Stephen A. I just don't know how fair that is. Because, you know, Stephen A's been watching fights, I'm sure, for a long fucking time. Now, whether he knows who Gabriel Flores Jr. is or, or you know, Jamal Herring, that's a different conversation. But I just want to say there, we got to define this line better. Because I don't think Stephen A's stupid or should not be able to talk boxing. I think Stephen A's been watching as much boxing as a lot of people. Now, does he know your fucking uh, uh, twelve and old whatever fighter? Probably not. But shit, how much does that mean? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair point, my friend. Because, bro, like, like when people talk to me about, um, you know. Uh, 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 TV shows or or uh, something else, you know. I'm like, bro, I really don't watch too many TV shows and things like that because, like, shit, I'm I, my time is really invested on on boxing, football, basketball, basketball, football, I should say. So it's like, I get it. I can imagine a guy like Stephen A. Smith. Look, man, this guy's got to talk about baseball. You got to talk about. You know, soccer, tennis, all that. So I wouldn't expect him to know some of the young fighters in boxing and things like that. Uh, there is a fine line to draw, but where is the line is really good to put that out in a perspective. Because, yes, I definitely was not around to understand the, the, the effect that Mike Tyson had on the world. And whoever it was is just going to have that remembrance of what he used to do and what times were like when he was that man, the baddest man on the planet. You know, when I see Mike Tyson fight, I looked at the guy who, you know, who had the tattoo on his face and had a suspect win in a fight that seemed like it was for more so uh, kind of like a you know benefit for both guys getting money. Kind of like how basketball fans, let's say if you're a new basketball, a new basketball fan today, 
and you look at Vince Carter over in Atlanta. You're like, that old man who gets 12 minutes a game was was a dangerous threat and the bat, the baddest dunker at one point in time? They'll never understand what it's like compared to who those of us who can definitely attest to what Vince Carter used to do back in his day, you know? So it's uh, it's really tough, but, you know, boxing fans are strange at times. And, um, you know, it, sometimes I can't really talk boxing to, to pe- certain people, and it's not because I think I know more about boxing than someone else or whatever, whatever. It's just some sort of loud argument sometimes. It's like, you know, we could agree to disagree and stop arguing, <laughs> you know. I had that same thing going on yesterday. I, I got a boy, one of my boys out here in town, his name Alex, but he's from Alabama, so I call him Bama. And he's one of the biggest Deontay Wilder haters in the world, saying that he's garbage and if I could train a fighter to whoop his ass, it'd be easy work. And I'm like, dude, if that was possible and if it was so easy to beat this guy like you're saying, somebody would have did it, you know? I mean – I don't know, man. Boxing fans are strange. And, I mean, there's a, a, a demographic that was spoken about on even Joe Rogan's podcast with Eddie Bravo. Uh, if you look into Joe Rogan's recent show with Eddie Bravo, uh, they talked about the Andrew Ruiz, Anthony Joshua situation and within the first 15 minutes of the show. And Joe Rogan, big MMA guy, Mr. MMA guy, but he's also a very big boxing uh, enthusiast. He's been around throughout the entire like Joe Rogan, I always thought he was kind of a clown from Fear Factor, but Joe Rogan, he, he has a lot of knowledge when it comes to boxing and the fight game in general, and and there's a fine line between that. Boxing fans might think he don't know shit about boxing, but given from where he, he came from in the sport, he knows a lot about boxing. And, you know, boxing more so than anything is just demographically driven from Mexicans, the supporting Mexicans. They don't give a fuck who else is fighting. You know, uh, uh, Willa, you know, white chocolate's my guy. And he's been accused of, of always going for the black guy <laughs> against the fighter, whatever. I do the same thing for Puerto Ricans. It's whatever. But, I mean, uh, I, I think it's unfair for Stephen A. Smith. Uh, he's been, I mean, I'd hate to be in his position right now, honestly. Uh, I know we segued really hard from where we came from to this, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like a guy on Stephen A. Smith's platform being bashed by boxers when you're going to continue talking about boxing. Very unfortunate. But, um, you know, sometimes when you have that platform, it is what it is. Uh, well, I, I, I was asking you right now if you guys talked about on Wednesday because – wait, oh, no, Thursday. It was Thursday. I thought that we had had a – uh, deal with the show being on Tuesday and JP and me and JP were wondering about that but whatever show ended up being on Thursday and man Thursday was a was a rough one you know but um, I was listening to the show <laughs> uh, you know I had a couple of drinks and was uh, very agenda driven to get muted. <laughs> and I did purposely. I wanted to. I wanted to cause trouble. I wanted to be like I wanted to be like you and, and Patty and, and cause mischief. Uh uh but um I wasn't too sure if you guys had talked about uh the Maurice Hooker fight that was announced with Jose Carlos Ramirez. Uh 
because I was hoping that this fight would have been over here in the Central Valley as they planned for Ramirez and um, uh, 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 having a brain fart right now. Mr. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, wow. Program. You're just program. Pregress. Yeah. So I was hoping that fight would happen over here, but I don't think that's the case. I think they're taking this one to Vegas with uh, Maurice Hooker and uh, Jose Ramirez. Or it might be New Orleans. I think it might be New Arlington. Orleans. Oh, they're doing it in Arlington. That's right. They're doing it in Arlington. That's why we were talking about take. That's that's right. I forgot in the group message. You're like, y'all trying to take a trip down. Look, let me talk to Jose. See if I get a little discount on the flight. I might be able to get out there with you. How far is Arlington, Texas, from where you're at right now, my friend? Uh, it's probably like three hours. Three hours or so. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a little bit of a miss. I mean, not not too bad. That's about the same distance from uh, from me to L.A. right now. But um, I, I don't know if you guys cover this one because, I mean, uh, I just wanted to put that one out there just for me to speak on because Jose Ramirez being a friend of mine, good guy, all that stuff. And I'm not going to go Stephen A. Smith. He's a good man, good guy. But no, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, He's a, a a cool dude. I, I, Jose is, uh, I, you know, Jose reminds me sometimes of Danny Garcia when he's on the microphone, trying to sound a little smarter than he actually is. Willie, you could attest to that when you talk about Deontay Wilder. Uh, but Jose, he seems like he gets a little, he gets a little nervy, a little nervous when it's a lights camera action. He's making a lot of exposure in this unification bout that he will be having against Maurice Hooker is a hell of a fight. Um, I think that low-key might be one of the fights of the year, man, because if Hooker brings it to Jose, there's no back down in Jose. He's got that that he's got that he's Mexican style in him. And, you know, people always question, what is Mexican style? What, what do they mean by Mexican style? Because Triple G talks about it, but his Mexican style is Diet Coke Mexican style. We've seen Mexican style with, with Andy Ruiz Jr. against Anthony Joshua. I'm hurt, but I'm throwing bombs. And Jose Ramirez has that same type of style. Well, I don't know if you guys covered this one on uh, Thursday's show because I was a little inebriated or or whatever the term you like to use for, yeah, intoxicated, whatever. But this is a hell of a fight that was announced that I would love to talk about for a quick second because, you know, this is a fight that, casual fans might not look twice at or even take note to, but for us who are, I'm not going to say we're hardcore boxing. We are a voice of boxing, and that's point blank, period. But this fight right here, this one has the um, remembrance of Lucas Matisse against uh, Ruslan Pavatnikov. A fight like when it was announced, it was like, oh man, that's going to be a really good fight. Maurice Hooker and Jose Ramirez. Ramirez being the B side, surprisingly. Hooker being the A side. Arlington, Texas. Man, well, uh, when I seen this fight being announced, sure, I want Progress and Ramirez, but Hooker and Ramirez signed me the fuck up. I like this fight a lot. Um, your, your take on this one, my friend. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, we did get to talk about it on Thursday, man. We're well, I'm looking forward to this fight. Like you said, I'm definitely gonna try to be in the building. Uh it's down the street, so we'll make that happen. Good fight, unification, see what these guys are made of. Both of these guys with sort of questions on how good they really are. This can prove prove it either way. So hell of a fight. Look forward to it. Man, all right, all right. You guys already covered that one. I don't wanna beat a dead horse or nothing like that. I I like the stylistic matchup and things like that. Um but yeah, you know, I, uh, we had Block Top tripping today from the start of the show, and which was the reason why I had missed out the last part of last week's show on Sunday when uh, when I was on the line. It kept cutting out for about ten to fifteen seconds, then going back in and cutting out ten fifteen seconds, call back doing the same thing. I was like, I missed the whole end of the show. Um. And uh, I, I just want to ask you real quick, JP, I, I don't know if you guys covered the uh, Mike Tyson and WAC 100 that, that had happened on the Hot Boxing Podcast. Uh, did you guys uh, speak on that one, Will? I know it's last week's news, but just to get ready to close things out over here and uh, uh, speak on that one because um, Mike Tyson knocking dudes out on this show that are guests. You know, I probably keep my words soft and sweet if I'm on the hot boxing podcast. Did you guys speak on that one, Willis? Because I didn't get a chance to check that out. No, I don't think so. I don't remember talking about that. Oh, great. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, <laughs> cool. Because I remember I I listed that one on the show uh, uh, last week, and then, you know, whatever the fuck happened, happened with the. The block top bugging and shit like that, but um, you know we 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 talked about it. Willa, you had sent the uh, you had sent the link from it, or actually you you had posted it on Facebook. I had seen firsthand before, but uh, the whole bottom line of it all, or the whole thing that started it all, was what Whack One Hundred was talking shit about Tupac on <coughs> Mike Tyson's Hot Boxing podcast. He posted a video. Uh, saying, like I said, shit got a little heated at the Hot Boxing Podcast. Win, lose, or draw, I'm not going for it. Freddie French, you're not to blame for me and Mike Tyson's situation. The dispute amongst men should just be between those two. And he posts a video where he's got prescription for headaches, symptoms, and things like that. Also, posting another post, uh, get in for round two on site. Next time, Freddie friends, don't get in the middle of the situation. Hashtag, my rights will sit the best of them down. Eating soup, you know, because if his, uh, if his jaw might have been touched up a little bit, he ain't biting into nothing hard or, or anything like that. Um, but I was, <laughs> when I seen your post of it, it was laugh emojis, and you didn't really, you didn't say nothing but laugh emojis. Uh let, it's, it's one week It's one week old news But fuck it We'll get to it anyway Since uh, I'm trying to Take it away from that Sad deal going on With uh, Zab Judah And Felipe Ortuga But um, What was your Initial thoughts When you had first seen this Before posting it globally Because once you had posted this one I said oh shit I'm sharing this one right away And I posted 
reporting like Ellie Suchback. <laughs> what was your thoughts on this whole take with Mike Tyson hotboxing podcast and Whack 100? Well, I had a I, I didn't know what to think, man. I thought it was funny, but you never know this day and age of what's going on in the promotion. Did it really happen? Haven't seen nothing about it this that whole last week, so we'll see how it goes. But I thought it was funny, you know. Whack 100 is an old dude out here acting like he's tough, and it would have been funny. It'd be very funny to see Mike Tyson give him a couple pieces because, uh, you know, I think he's talking down on Tupac. So. <laughs> We'll see, man. Isn't Whack 100 the the game's homeboy that had knocked out uh, that white boy Stitches, that rapper from Miami? Right. Yeah, yeah, he's the game's manager or something like that. So, yeah, he's been knocking people, knocking white guys out. So I think he thinks he's the real deal. So it would have been good to see (laughs) him get his – get pieced up by by Mike Tyson. So (laughs) – but we'll see if it's real or not. I don't know. You never know these days. Yeah, I, I was, I was kind of like, bro, like, how, how are you knocking out dudes on your show? That's a, that's a guest and stuff like that. But, um, I'm guessing you did see the, <laughs> you did see Whack 100 knock out Stitches, because huh? I, I was like, I, I thought that was him, but because uh, wasn't that Stitches like chilling outside the game's like truck spitting on it or something like that, waiting for him to get out of a club or something. And then he just got, I mean, he, I mean that dude. Yeah, he got, he he got a old bobblehead city like a D from that eight horse he likes to put it. But I, I thought that was that guy. So yeah, if he's over here knocking out white boys like that, no, he might think he, you know, if you didn't do that like that, you might think that you got them. Yeah, you know, old ass Mike Tyson. I'll, I'll put them hands on. Shit. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Him and uh, Mike Tyson probably okay. around the same age. Oh, it's nice. Who? You and Mike Tyson? Whack 100. I don't know how old is Mike Tyson, like 50-something? I, bro, I'm going to look right now. I'm guessing that Mike Tyson probably got to be around 53, maybe, somewhere around there. Yeah. Let me see. Whack Let me isn't see. that Mike far Tyson. off of that. Oh, you're right. He's 52. He's 52. Yeah, WAC 100 is probably around there. He's probably at minimum 48. So they about, you know, he's not an old guy. That's his peer. Well, Will, I'll, I'll ask you the question that I proposed on last week's show. Would you go on the Hot Boxing Podcast and keep it real, as you like to say, keep it real? Whether, and, and, and if keeping it real involves, you know, tempering Mike Tyson and making maybe getting him – little heated to get into a physical altercation would you knowing that would you go on the hot boxing podcast <laughs> no i'm not trying to see i'm not trying to see mike tyson get angry dog he's he's crazy so you know i'm not trying to box him at all that's a guy i'm not looking i'm not looking to see now i'm not saying i couldn't see him i'm not looking to see that yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you you're a big guy, Willie. You you strong. You might you might be able to hold your own if you be wrestling with him or something like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's about to be straight wrestling. That. That's I would have to go directly inside, dog, and try to and try to take him down. <laughs> We're not trying. I'm not trying to box. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. 
it, it got to we got to go to wrestling if it comes down to that for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a funny story. If it's real, then it's like, yo, fuck. Future guests at the Hot Boxing Podcast, just just watch what you say about things that Mike Tyson like. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll ask JP real quick. I'll propose the same question. JP, JP gone. Let's say, oh, JP gone. All right, all right, okay, all right. Well, shit. Well, then there's two. Well, before we end this one up here, I guess this is just us two. Um, let's talk a little bit about the finals. I, I know JP said that he was going to have a show yesterday and shit like that. I was uh, busy. I couldn't get I couldn't get uh, time away from what was going on. I don't know if he dropped one or not. But uh, well, finals is three one, brother. Uh, Toronto's uh, in manhandling Golden State, but a report came out just now that Kevin Durant is practicing today. Uh, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors the way KD's walking when they showing him on camera. I don't know if he's going to be able to come out and, you know, put on that cape, be Superman, and get the Warriors out of this 3-1 hole. But, um, man, you know, I was saying Raptors in six. It might be five, but uh, what's your thoughts on the way the finals is looking right now? And do you think there's any way in hell the Warriors could come back and break a 3-1 deficit just like the Cleveland Cavaliers did against these Warriors in 2016? No, I don't think they're coming back from this. You know, after I watched the um, the little, what's called the press conference afterwards, and those guys seemed like they were out of there. Like, you know, Clay was saying, you know, uh, the way he just looked, the way Steph looked, it looked like they – they knew it was over. And I think they have their best time. Their better their better chance to win is without KD. Bringing KD, they're going to be worse because he's, he's not – he's hurt. He's hurt. Boogie Cousins hurt. Iggy's hurt. They're all hurt. You know, Kawhi's hurt also, but he's balling. Kawhi's got that jump shot going. If Kawhi's jump shot is going like that, yeah, it's going to be five. Get these guys out of here. Bro, Kawhi's been balling, man. I've never seen, like, I, I mean, I always knew Kawhi was, like, you know, dope two, two-way player, but this jumper that he's got going on right now, I don't know, man. Well, if you think, I mean, bro, like, there's a, there's a report that came out about a, a, a millionaire in Toronto who said that um, whatever the Raptors would give him as far as a contract, that they would give him similar amount of money. So if the Raptors were to offer him, let's say, a $250 million contract to stay for five years, then whoever that millionaire was would give him $250 million on top of that, basically doubling his pay to stay. And then there's been reports that, you know, another billionaire in Toronto offered him a full-on mansion if he stays. Like, he don't have to – I mean, there's places saying he don't have to pay for food the rest of the day of his life if he stays in Canada. I mean <laughs> – there's also been reports that he paid for property in Toronto. So he might be that strange of a guy to, uh, you know, even though given the circumstances, like, nah, I'd rather buy my own shit. You know, I, I get that. I'm not one to be much of a uh, a taking kind of a person for another one giving. But, I mean, if you had to say right now, feet to the fire, do you think Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto? Or, I mean, is – is that really a possibility of him pulling the old Forrest Gump when he's running with the whole crowd of people 
and saying, you know what, I'm just going to stop and go home and leave everybody hanging high and dry. You think Kawhi stays or goes regardless of the outcome, which we both think that the championship's coming to Canada? I think he's out of there. For some reason, I think he's really? out of there. The way he talks, yeah, the way he talks about, you know, doing what's best for me, he says stuff like that. You know, he talks about about, about himself. You know, and it's not like it's saying, like he's being cocky or anything. I just think he's, I think they're going to win the chip and he's gone. I think that if they don't win the chip, if they somehow lose the chip, I think he would stay. I think he's gone. He won. It's cold out there. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot but of he's the man. Cool. If he wins the chip, if he even if he leaves, he's still the man in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, man, for sure. So you go sure. back. Yeah, you get to your crib there because you're coming back. Hey, I won y'all that ring. He's like Joe Carter. <laughs> oh yeah, they can't they can't boo Kawhi. Let's say he does win a chip and he goes somewhere else. Whenever he shows up, there ain't no like boo fest. They, I mean, if I'm a Raptors fan and I want Kawhi to stay so bad, but he gives us a chip and he leaves anyway. Hey man, thank you for your services. You forever a legend and you could retire in this jersey. Like I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Well, if you if it was the opposite way, if if let's say. I mean, I don't know. Let's say uh, someone on Houston was traded for someone that took them to the chip and got the chip, but he decided to leave the next the next year, the following year after. He's cool in our books, right? <laughs> Even though he left us high and dry. Yeah, yeah. If you get a chip, you're good. Especially if we know that you said you didn't want to come. You know, this wasn't a place you wanted to come. You know, it was a gamble. We 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 took a gamble and won the chip. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, man, roll the dice, like Nipsey Hussle said. <laughs> man, that's crazy. I, I'm looking forward to it though. The the next game is tomorrow, right? I think is it has to be tomorrow. Um, yeah, Monday tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, like, anything that I've missed or anything you want to touch on before? we get ready to wrap it up over here. I know I talked a lot about uh, in the beginning and then midway through the show about over at OTG and the conversations we had had before then reminiscing a little bit. Uh, but um, I I thought that shit was funny, man. When I clicked on an episode from 2015 and I'm like, man, this shit's like midway played through. Like, okay, let me see what's going on here. And I got Seattle Sime coming on the phone saying, as soon as I press play, he goes, hold up, hold up, Shug, hold up. I got a question for RC and Willa, like, <laughs> and just like, it's, bro, it's 2019 right now. We're talking about four years ago, and we still got some of the same argumentative combatants that we deal with to this day. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's funny. Like, uh, when I hear some of that shit from OTG about Shug talking shit about Deontay Wilder, Janelle said, Back in 2014, when Terrence Crawford moves up to welterweight, he's going to get knocked out. <laughs> it's like whenever I hear some of this stuff and knowing what the future holds, man, it just makes it all worth the more ear candy to me listening to, laughing about it. Uh, 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 <laughs> some of that shit that we had we had did back in the day, too funny to me, man. I, I was rolling at that shit, but 
Uh, aside from that, like, is there anything we're missing? And if, if you want to comment on some of the the old reminiscence of back then. Oh man, no, I really don't. I usually don't listen to that old stuff, man. But uh, not out of any disrespect or nothing like that, but just because you know, I'll be on that Booker T podcast. I'll be on other stuff, man. I'll be on that relatively fat and black. So, you know, I know I know for a fact that uh, Janelle has been switching switching his stance and. He used to have a very, very distinct hatred for African American fighters. It seems like he's going a little—he's going out of his way to prove me wrong now. But if we go to the archive, we know it's real, man. Time still sound. Yeah, time still sound. So yeah, man. Uh, but that was it, man. That's all we had on boxing. Uh, I don't know who Fury's fighting some bum next week. So we're ready to talk about that on Wednesday. Uh, I'm sure the zone's got to fight. What the zone's got to fight too. So we'll see. We'll see exactly what's going on. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'll be to, in the building for that. I'll, I'll be in the building to see your boy get that work. Oh, so you're going, with, you're going with him? Or you going with Hooker right away? Huh? I'm with Hooker. Okay. Yeah. I already told you. Everybody knows when it comes to Hooker. When he went over, when he went over across the pond, and whooped uh, whatever his name was. And got the belt. Hey, I've been riding with him ever since. All right, so all right, well, you well, we want to put a little wager on that, or we can have a little friendly wager on that, a little something. I, I got Jose. Yeah, yeah. You need go ahead and catch a flight down here, and we got a night of drinks. On who okay. wins, man? Whoever what? wins, right after right. that. Okay. Drinks on there. <laughs> oh. Well, oh yeah. One thing, real quick, before we wrap this one up, and uh, before I have this last topic, because I wanted to ask you about it. I talked to talked to Simon and a couple other people about it. Um, but just to touch real quick about the the Fury Schwartz card, I think it is next week on ESPN Plus. You know, uh, oh, Michaela Mayer is gonna be fighting on that card, so I'm be tuned in right there, enjoying myself watching that fight. <laughs> you know, I'm beyond that one. I'm beyond that one. But uh. One thing I forgot, I wanted to touch this one up real quick with you. It's a basketball-related uh, comment that I saw. Simon was saying I'm being crazy or being a little a little too uh, – I don't know what I'm looking for, but check it out. So Giannis Antetokounmpo has been chilling in my city for the last two weeks out here in Fresno. He's been at the same – I sent you the video, the farmer's market that I've been at. Uh, in a group message, he was at it last, or uh, I think it was last week, or the, or it was actually the day before, the day before they had a a, a little small thing Wednesday, and um, there's reports that Giannis is chilling, walking around, doing nothing with himself in Fresno. I guess he's dating a girl that's over at Fresno State University. Uh, Small school over here for Paul George, Derek Carr, uh, Aaron Judge attended. It's uh, one of the, the, the major schools in Central California. But uh, I guess he's dating a girl out here in Fresno. And Giannis has been chilling, pretty much doing nothing with himself for the last two weeks in Fresno. Um, for me, I said that if I was the Bucks GM, I would be highly concerned with my star player being so quick to go on vacation after just losing 
a grueling series against the Toronto Raptors. I mean, not that long ago. For me, there's always the, I think Syme calls the Kobe mythologies, like, you know, Kobe never missed a day at work, all this and stuff like that. But I don't think Kobe Bryant or, I don't know, you can put the, the list of, of that goes on from the workhorses that I think that Giannis should win on vacation when the finals is over. To be on vacation when you are two wins away from being in the finals, I think his ass should be in the gym working on that jumper until the finals is over. Once basketball is over, damn, go on vacation, do whatever you got to do. But he's been in my city, Willis, my city, chilling, doing nothing. He's been tweeting. Anybody know where the best elote man is? And for those who don't know what elotes are, that is corn on the cob. He's walking around Fresno lost right now, doing absolutely nothing with himself besides Keith Thurman and the cupcake with the mistress. Or no, with the with the sweetheart, not the mistress. I know he had a girl before, but I don't know. It might have been switched off that. But Willis, I got a seven foot NBA MVP walking around Fresno in my eyes and estimation, lost, doing nothing with himself instead of getting his ass in the gym and working on what was his ultimate downfall. And like I said, too soon, maybe, but I think that he should just, I don't think he should be on vacation before the final whistle is blown in the NBA season. But uh, he was at, uh, I was meaning to go to this, uh, me and Ed, that's about uh, 25 minutes away from where I'm at right now, because he was tweeting about that also, that, Hey, I forgot my wallet in Milwaukee. If I go watch uh, game five or uh, uh, game four, will it be free? And me and Ed obviously said yes. And I believe he went and watched game four at uh, me and Ed's pizza place here in Fresno, California. Just chilling. I mean, for me, if I'm Buck GM, I'm highly concerned that my star player is out in the middle of nowhere doing nothing with himself while the basketball season is still going on. Well, am I reaching a little bit? Or you kind of catch my drift on what's going on with Giannis Antetokounmpo being out here in the Central Valley doing nothing with himself, walking around just lost. Well, yeah, you're reaching big time, man. This guy is um, is – I guess the favor for the MVP. Um, his game has evolved. His game evolved last summer. He got better. So until we see that he's not getting better in the summer, I don't care what he does afterwards. They, he played, what, 100 games? He might have played 100, almost 100 games this year. Um, you know, he needs to get his rest. Once they're done, a day or two later, he can go after they – I think after that Monday – that next Monday or that next day they go to work, they do their exit interviews, and then they're done. That's it, man. Get you some time. Get you some work because, you know, the the season probably starts – I mean, the season starts in October, right? Or, yeah, like almost around the October think, time, uh, and then they're already – preseason starts, like, preseason stuff like that starts in September, and I think the season starts in October, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so September is the thing. And then, you know, it's almost going to be time to – 
time to start hooping again real quick. You know, basketball lasts a long time. So I don't think, you know, he needs to go and get his rest. You get your rest while you can. Uh, I ain't mad at it. I don't know, man. You just hate there's not one. No, there's He's not out one there stealing your snows. Probably what no, it he's is. Actually got he probably a, got one of your pieces. He's got, he's got a Latina out here. I've seen. I've seen the picture. I think, but um, man, I don't know, brother. I, I I think you you might just be giving him a quick pass because I'm look. I'm not saying that I I would be openly trying to trade him, but I am saying that you know maybe his heart's not in basketball. It's like if I got eliminated the way he did just two weeks ago. I would be in the gym doing what I got to do to get better. And, baby, when the season's over, then I'll come see you. But you ain't played 100 yeah. games yet, man. Maybe I did. Maybe I played more than that. Who knows? But, but, I'm but you kidding. haven't. We do know. <laughs> we do know. If you played 100 games <laughs> and your body was hurting and you're like, you know, at that point it's mental, right? So you're out here, you're mentally, you got to mentally get through it. And once it's over, you know, you're mad for how long you want them to be mad for? Days? Weeks? Hey, I you think know you she's be about mad to, until that, the season's over, until the finals is concluded. Mm-mm. That don't make no sense. He knows it. Hey, he might as well get his vacation time on now. You know, they say gone fishing, right? That means those guys are on vacation. Once you're out, you're gone fishing. That means you're on vacation. That's it. You I don't know. Well, vacation set up for that last you, day. Well, let's say you're an MVP candidate with the team who has the best record in the NBA, and you're expected. You, you go up 2-0 on a team like Toronto. You're expected to just wash these guys off, and you end up losing in six games. When you were the prohibited favorite, you're telling me that you're going to be like, eh, we'll get him next year. And then just, you know what? I'm going from Milwaukee, you know, northwest or uh, 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 northeast. Where it's there, cold. In the Midwest. Where it's cold. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. You want to come okay. all the way out to Fresno, California, where it, it ain't cold. Where here. it's, it's warm. Hot. It's hot. Right. You want to come all the way out here while basketball's still going on. You Like, you know Kobe Bryant used to say that when, when they would, like, lose a playoff series or something like that. He'd be watching, like, you know, Yo Gabba Gabba or whatever, like Dora the Explorer with his daughter. He ain't watching the playoffs. But Giannis is over here eating free pizza watching the watching the finals. That tells me his heart's not in the game. What you're supposed to do. I might, I might have to I don't even know, if even, I don't even know how he could do that. His heart ain't in the game, but he was he's the MVP. So what does that mean? Who cares if his heart ain't in the game, man? I don't know. I might have to change my MVP to your boy James Harden now because I know James Harden. James Harden went to the club the next day, probably that night. James well, Harden was probably in the club that night well, with a smile on his face mm-hmm. and a Hennessy in his hand. Well, you, you, you incriminating your guy now just for the likes of Giannis? No, he did it last year. Remember that was a big thing. He did. A, he was at the club the night well, before the game last year. Remember, okay, but it was still like it was still in his like area, right? It wasn't like he was out of town or something like that. Giannis is over here in Willow. He's over here in Fresno, doing nothing with himself, walking around lost, like looking for clown. Man, Kyle. he's sad. He's sad, man. So it, that's what you want him to be, right? So he's out there. He's getting uh, he's getting consulted by his uh, from his babe, getting some love. 
And he's just walking around the place like Fresno, man. I can't do this. So, so what? You know, it's warm out there. No, he's just chilling. So that's what you want him to do. It sounds like he's doing what you want him to do. You want him to be no. practicing. You don't think he's shooting jump shots at the school every day? I don't. That's what I want to see. I want to see him posting. Look at LeBron's posting videos at four in the morning, putting up jumpers at the Lakers facility. You know why? Because LeBron has already been ultimate. on vacation. He went on vacation a month ago, so he already got his he already got his downtime in. Hmm. Well, I, well I, I don't think you understand what I'm saying though. Like this guy was two wins away from the finals, and he's over here chilling, eating corn on the cob and free pizza instead of working on his craft when he should have been in this game. And he's over here watching it for free. Like, hey, what are we he's doing? Watching here? It for- what is he doing? He's 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 uh what is it called? A decompressing in Fresno, dog. It's been a long year, a lot on his shoulder. He choked at the end. He's got to decompress. He's got to get his mind right first. Then you come back. Let him get his mind right. Bro, and he I, choked. And I and, and and I got, I got boys that went to. Um, there was this. Uh, what was it? Let me see. There was a. Uh, there was this thing he was at. What was it called? Let me see. Let me see. He was at this river park. He was at this river park, and uh, this is like he's like 15 minutes away from where I'm at. He's at this river park, just uh, playing miniature golf with his girlfriend, like during the day, drinking beer. Really? <laughs> really, bro? You go play golf and have a a, a, a beverage of alcoholic flavor. Whenever you reach the mountaintop, when we all know Jordan be popping champagne and, and everyone pops champagne whenever you win the championship game, but Giannis is over here popping bottles, eating pizza, cornering the club, and golfing after blowing a 2-0 lead to a team that's not even complete with their finals destination right now. Look, I'm gonna just say it right now: if I'm the Bucks game, I'm secretly shopping Giannis on a Katumpo. He's not made the right stuff, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I totally disagree with you, man. I think he's all right. He'll be all right. He just needs to work on his jumper. <laughs> well, all right, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll be looking for a tweet on Monday to see where he's going to be at because if he's going to be continuously, you know, get hookups on free pizza watching the game, I'm going to be there, and I will record. And I will be reporting. And I will say, to his face, Giannis, why you ain't at the gym, man? How you watching these guys play that you lost to, man? You should be doing this when the season's over, man. What are you doing? But, you know, I don't know. All I know is if, if Kobe Bryant was in the same situation, he'd be, you know, busting his teammates' ass and, and be in the gym before he does anything else until the season's over. But that's just me. Like I said, Slime said I was reaching. You say I'm reaching. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just want I just want my, my star players to try to elevate themselves before they decompress and all that good stuff. But that's here nor there. It's whatever. It's whatever. We have our agreement and disagreement. But um you know Will it uh really good show today. Uh did um did JP do a show yesterday on the relative, relatively black and fat podcast yesterday that he was talking about? 
Were you able to uh, jump on that one or no? Uh, I don't believe he did. Okay, cool. I'm going to hit him up. Hopefully he has some basketball talks on there because on the archives, I was the only person that picked Toronto to win this series. And like you, I don't know, like you like to just just harass me saying, we looking good. We is too many people, brother. (laughs) We looking good. Yeah, me and Toronto looking good. And I noticed how you didn't say nothing about my my girl Nicole Arbor, who is Toronto team out here. Like you know, we out here solid Canadian moose meat, all that good stuff. Snow, don't you know? <laughs> but um, here nor there, I'm ready for the game tomorrow, and I'm ready for the fights coming up this weekend involving Tyson Fury, who has to get through this one so he can get to Deontay Wilder moving forward, Michaela Mayer, all that good stuff that's going to be on ESPN Plus popping up this week that we'll get to on Wednesday with Willis' preview show. <sighs> Willis, it's 11.33 a.m. for me, early in the day. I like doing this show early because we have the rest of the day to ourselves. Uh, what you got going on for the rest of this glorious Sunday, my man? Oh, nothing much, man. Just going to be chilling, though, so... Just chilling. You like the uh, the time from what we start? What, what we start at eleven your time, or or the later start? Earlier or later? How you feeling about it? I don't matter to me. Early is cool. Early is good with me. All right, all right. Well, we'll, we'll keep this shit rocking, man. All right, well, well, I'm gonna. Uh, go wake up my snow right now. She's been chilling in the room, waiting for me to. Probably go get some lunch or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's it for us, man. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, joining, listening, downloading, subscribing, all that good stuff. Uh, like and share. Talk about us uh, on Twitter, all that good stuff. Anybody who's somebody got something to say, let us know. Uh, everybody involved with the camp of Gabriel Flores Jr. Um, and all that good stuff for very Ramirez. It's all love, except for Rick American. I'll see you again sometime, Baldy. But uh, uh, speaking for myself in the San Joaquin Valley of Central California, it's a beautiful day out here today. Um, it's not too hot. My AC has not ran for the last two days. We, we've been upwards near of 105 throughout the week. And then all of a sudden, the last two days, uh, it's been really chill to about 78 degrees. So it's a little crazy out here right now, different weather. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I will see you, and we will have words spoken, my friend. Uh, I'm speaking from Houston, Texas, in Southern California, in the like words of Inglewood. I'm R.C., speaking for Willa and J.P. and the Outsiders Boxing Podcast. Shout out to everybody that I talked about earlier in the day. I don't like talking about guys unless they're here, but uh, uh, the words of Janelle, Syme, Suge, Natasha, everybody that was involved with uh, the upbringing of my podcasting uh, game and all that good stuff. Much love. Check out the episodes that I was talking about earlier and listen to some of the chaos that had happened if you want to get a a, a grasp on what I meant earlier from the show, being episode 501 and the uh, Saddam Ali wrap-up with uh, Jesse Vargas. Fun content. Three hours of a show to get you through it a work day or whatever. But 
it for us today. We'll be back on Wednesday with Willis' preview show involving everything going up with predictions and so forth with ESPN's plus headline of Tyson Fury. I'm RC. We are the Outsiders Boxing Podcast, and we are out of here. Mom, I love you. P.O.P. All the time.